burst off after reading that little line. I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. They are, in a group they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. Friday, folks. It's uh, I want to say, isn't it? Is it Good Friday? Uh, I don't know. What do they call it? Good Friday? Good Friday today? I don't know. It's difficult for me to tell in Japan because we just don't have the the how do you say Abrahamic holidays? And I also want to say it's probably I want to say it's Eid as well. It ain't Friday. Well, it is for me. So uh, knock it off. Uh, so yes, uh, of course, today being Friday, we uh, got to feed the uh, the workers, the blicks on the plantation, folks. Everything, everything sent today goes to uh, uh, resident tax evader, uh, Cyber Phoenix. And yes, it is Good Friday. Thank you, thank you. I thought I thought it was, but I, th- I also think it's Eid, right? Haven't they all just sort of synced up around this right now? Whatever. Whatever the Jews call it, Passover and uh, cast a shout. Much I know about these uh, these religions. <laughs> just, I, like I say, I'm just culturally culturally imbued in it. I guess. Um, I I guess I used to enjoy Easter, chocolate, what have you. We don't we don't do it. And Friday is prayer day at the mosque. Of course it is. Punjabi prepper. Good to see you. We can have. Dying! Just to uh, include uh, include our Hindu brethren, uh, <laughs> the 
in the celebrations for today. So what are we going to be doing? Well, of course, we'll take a look at the uh, ever-escalating conflict uh, briefly. Uh, there's been a couple of developments that I want to go over. And uh, I'm trying, trying to focus on the neuroscience because there's stuff coming out at the moment. And uh, the paper that I wanted to do... Um, changed because uh, of a preprint dropped on via archive or that I saw yesterday uh, I saw the link on Twitter and uh, I, of course I want to cover uh, neuropathy uh, as a consequence of uh, vaccination and uh, both both important papers and I'm I don't know, like yesterday was a I don't know, four to five hour stream to get through one paper. So I may be, maybe being a bit too ambitious trying to, trying to do two in one, one set, setting, session, I guess. And we'll, I guess all we can do is just crack on, folks. And uh, why do I feel there's something missing off the screen there? Uh, never mind. Um, Let's just uh, let's just yeah dive into it. Oh God, I don't know if I reset the soundboard. No, uh, no Roman salute and chimpanzees, please. Oh, nice. Um, there we go. All right. Ah, that's not what I wanted to start. Of course, uh, covert. It's no longer covert, folks. The moral bio-enhancement is accuming for you. That's why you come here, so we can all work through this together and we can come to solutions. There's, there's nothing worse than learned helplessness. And let's get one thing clear. It's they're trying to induce learned helplessness into you and they're trying to make you ever more dependent on their corporate systems. And the good news... The good news from up on high is that you have the power to say no and go about go about your business as you as you see fit. Just uh, uh, just don't agree to those contracts, statutes, acts, etc., which is what they're trying to uh, bring in today. Oh, I see Doc D and Doc Keck in the chat. Salute to you, my brethren. Uh, let's see. You're going through the small fiber neuropathy. Yes, I, I will be doing that. Uh, we're doing this to you for the greater good. Yes, they are. Doc Heck, that's uh, that's their working premise, right? And um, <laughs> damn, damn your God-given rights. Uh, like, they're subsumed by the greater good, and the greater good, of course, in their mind, is uh, the corporate corporate woke tyranny that um, is spewing out everywhere and you know that's look i had a wasn't yesterday it was earlier in the week but just an email saying look <laughs> do the do, focus on the biology <laughs> why, why are you speaking to people like armchair warlord and doing the russian war uh, politics that type of thing because i think SARS biowarfare is part of a larger problem, and I think we have to be able to, I don't want to say aggressively, but with vigor approach all of these uh, battles, I guess. They are battles, and you know there are some battles that you can uh, perhaps let go because uh, they're trying to sucker you in, and you know there's the premise that, you know, 
talking about trannies and <laughs> and their uh, desire to flash their junk in front of young children is a, a wasted effort. I I beg to differ. I think we have to be calling all of that out, and especially especially when it's being targeted at children. Okay, and you know, look, look. Deviant trannies, I don't care what you get up to in your little clubs and your bedrooms, etc. But god damn, keep it out of the schools. Keep it out of the schools, keep it out of the libraries, and uh, everything will be tickety-boo. Uh, right, uh, let's move on. And of course, if you've strolled in here and wondering who I am, that is me, Dr. Kevin McCann. I was Principal Investigator at the Career Brain Research Institute. I am... Um, <laughs> medically retired and uh, but i was i was a contender in my youth and uh, that's why i have all those metrics and why i'm able to speak somewhat to the uh, the neuroscience around sars and look the other the other simple fact is that neuroscience is being leveraged against you as these corporations that leverage ever more psychological nudging to get you to agree to their contracts okay so um hopefully uh well i know i know people appreciate love <laughs> not, not everyone appreciates the duck style but uh there's enough that do that keep me coming back and uh yeah if you want to find out who i am you can go i, I like to say i like research gates it just aggregates metrics uh but pubmed etc you can find all my work there and of course this is a gigadimensional wackathon of a war and in that war uh, as an information war you need a uh, digital trench uh, at the front lines and of course mccairndojo.com is where you can go and uh, find links to just get up to date with me and most importantly support the stream and uh look i don't make uh oodles of cash doing this uh what i do is uh, i try to invest it wisely in the uh, what i think is going to be architecture that we need in the coming years as we have to well if this tiktok bill is an indicator of where it is that they're taking us we have to build our, out our own systems and you know that's why i i spend so much on uh, paying for uh well of course, you can see it here, WTYL.live, uh, video on demand, streaming. Uh, if you want to stream on there, you want to upload stuff there, please do. Uh, there's lots of stuff uh, going on in there. And um, please, please use it. And I think, like I say, uh, th as the uh, ESG psychopaths come to tell you what you can and can't do as they leverage their AI to swamp you with ever more banal woke content. I think these uh, little oases of what well, I'd like to think free speech, uh, scientific inquiry, um, and again, the culture war where you can have those discussions. And, you know, the look, I love Discord, it, it's a, a, a great. A great little platform but as of this morning or yesterday i actually 
need to follow up on that. Um, you know, we got delisted. Um, what was I, I'm trying? I'm trying to just read the. Um, so. Discord says, hello, your server, Raccoon Bunker, been removed from Discord server discovery for violating Discord's discovery guidelines. Uh, specifically, your server was found to violate the following guideline. Do not host graphic or sexual content. Graphic violence and sexual content are not allowed in public spaces. Servers opting into any publicly viewable feature should be appropriate for audiences all ages 13 and above. And of course, you know, Discord is a... That's a gaming platform right but it's become a very very useful communication tool now um i don't i don't think we have any graphic uh, sexual content on the server and the violence i don't know I, i'm not that i'm aware of i mean people posting news items from ukraine maybe but look it's an indicator of how constrained the internet is becoming and this is why i would ask that you support this work and like i say today we have to support the uh simon taxerating bleak cyber felix and keep him in mackie d's and uh is so he can continue to build out this architecture and i hope well eventually i hope it will be sort of um at least covering its uh, its costs. I mean, it would make it would make me happy because <laughs> that's uh, look, man. I I I scrape nary a penny after uh, paying all of that. Um, let's see. Jig says it's the first time in thirty three years. Oh, how, how how convenient that it's overlapped exactly. So, Passac Passover, Good Friday, and Eid. Uh, have all all coalesced it's a sign folks it's a sign from the raccoon in the sky that uh, um, there is something larger in the universe uh, thank you for that little factoid Jigs. i didn't know that but um right let's uh crack on and because uh, we've got obviously a lot of papers to get through but first of all i wanted to of course look at this story um, a UK flagship aircraft carrier to be deployed in Mediterranean to deter Russia. Now, <laughs> not wanting to sound too cynical, <laughs> the last, the last I heard, that uh, aircraft carrier broke down. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't even get across the English Channel. So I don't think the uh, Ruskies going to be. Too perturbed by this, but it, again, it's it's about the intention and the warmongering that's coming from these corporate entities. And you know, again, we could have deep discussions about who and what they are, and I'm sure we'll do it <laughs> in another stream when I'm not so science focused as today. But um, you know. Try to get, try. It's these nuggets that you want to keep an eye on, just for so that you're, uh, I don't know, not getting caught out by the potential fallout of ever 
greater escalation in this domain. And, you know, it, it looks very likely that, you know, they want new new social systems. And I, I, I've pulled a clip in. I saw it as I was posting the uh, alert into the Discord, which I haven't watched yet. But, of course, central bank digital currencies are accuming for you and your your paper fiat currency will be no good anymore everything will be tracked to the last penny by these people and uh, your freedom limited by the actions that they take so let's uh, zoom on for more uh, <laughs> hang on Zelensky says Poland will lead coalition to supply warplanes to Ukraine and again this is very very disturbing because you know, who's they want the f-16s right and i would take armchair warlords um description of these types of overtures which which are that they're more symbolic than anything that could be uh, overwhelmingly persuasive let's say on the battlefield okay and the i'm dismayed that we're not not suing for peace but but there may be good news on the horizon and that may come from one rfk jr and um so of course, RFK has thrown his hat into the ring for uh, presidential um, candidacy, I guess. Call it in the US. And uh, he says, the Neocon projects in Iraq and Ukraine have made a laughing stock of US military power and moral authority. Now, look, um, I don't think <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't dismiss US military power, but for sure the moral authority that America did have has been frittered away by the endless dog wars that they keep dragging the American people into. And, you know, I'm critical of RFK, where I think there should be criticism. And, you know, there's m plenty of evidence that he's embedded in the networks around Epstein. But you know what? So is Donald Trump. I think anyone in that political sphere is always going to have the stench of these pedo blackmail deep state intelligence networks. And I guess, you know, I guess it's always an issue of politicians will say what people want to hear so that they can get into office. Now, just going off on a tangent here, you know, one of, one of my concerns has been that because of the pressure that's been able to be leveraged against the biowarfare military industrial complex, that these people are going to make well they, they have to adjust their strategies and one of those might be to say ah uh, you know we goofed 
<laughs> we had an oopsie with that vaccine schedule that's so aggressive in the United States. There is no other country on the planet that has a schedule like the US does. And, you know, you have to think that a lot of that isn't about health. It's about the uh, leveraging, uh, or, yeah, cor corporate profits and maintaining the infrastructure for countermeasures. That's all it was about. And so literally America offered up its children as fodder for these networks. And when you think of all the harm that has been done, um, I don't know. I'm not sure how you can retroactively go back and undo that. Maybe, maybe those that tried to put in vaccine injury claims, maybe they should get some reparation if they were um, refused, etc. Because they're they're so stringent about the the criteria that have to be met to recognise a vaccine injury. And you know, th this may be a good move. And again, myself not being. Uh, an American citizen. These these kind of things are just of academic interest to me. I don't get to vote in these elections, and you know, if, uh, who who would I choose between RFK or Trump? Kind of kind of difficult. In, in my mind, it's yeah, you know, make the new boss same as the old boss. But maybe, just maybe, there could be you know these very, very important and fundamental changes um, made that could, could protect the, the most vulnerable. And I'm, I'm all for that. Any, anything that budges the needle on that, I'm, I'm down with. Okay. So um, I, I don't, I don't want to dwell too much on RFK. I've done plenty of streams about him. If you want a, a deep dive into those Epstein connections. You can look in the previous streams. Uh, search for John Brisson, and uh, salute to Commander Brisson as well. I hope you're well. If you're watching, sir, happy Easter to you, sir. Um, and you know, again, these are it's a predator class, and you ain't in it. I ain't in it. We're the untermensch on which they feed. They look at you as cattle, folks. That's it, and you know, I guess I guess they have to maintain a dialectic, and so you, know, you get the left and right paradigms, etc., that sucks people's time and energy, and it, it it is what it is. I don't I don't see changes coming over the horizon anytime soon, but maybe maybe the next election cycle in the United States will will, again, budge, budge the needle in that direction. And <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Americans in the audience will have their own views as to who they would uh, prefer to see. Uh, second, um, lunar calendar versus solar calendar. Um, let's see, Jigs says, started going to the gym, first time since COVID. The average person ain't biting the narratives anymore. I don't have to say nothing. That's good. That's good to hear. Good to hear. 
<laughs> Pedro says, keep those mentally ill gay lords away from the kids. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's it didn't take long, did it? <laughs> oh, this. Oh, this. Oh, God. First, that's, uh... I've got to be careful. The kid's next to me again right now. So, oh, that was uh, a tough conversation we had to have last night as well. After uh, dropping or him, he's listening, of course, all the time. So, um, yeah, I am optimistic, Crystal Shaman. Today, it's a it's a holy day today, and you know, take the take the wins where you get them. Take the good days when you get them, and the you know, I'm feeling uh, spring is in the air. So, yeah, why not a bit of optimism? So. Uh, let's see what else. What did I miss? Um, still says exactly, Doc. It's all part of a bigger picture. Yeah, I think so. And it's why I put the time into making sure that you know we have we cover this type of thing, so we don't we don't get caught out by it again. All right. <laughs> Kang D with uh, how should we say uh, Millicent step forward with. Uh, in the sea. Tire necklaces becoming fashionable in American politics. <laughs> uh, I hear it's a terrible way to go as well. Just tire necklace. Who, who? Who? What? Psychopath thought that up, right? Wasn't it? Wasn't it Mandela? Wasn't? Wasn't that his thing? Tire necklaces. Although you're not allowed, you're not allowed to uh, say a bad word against the uh, bleak uh, saviour Nelson Mandela. <laughs> Burgle will though, Prophet Burgle will. Uh, let's see. Christine says I don't have much faith in politics. I don't. I I, I don't. But the, the problem is that we have sis We're stuck with systems we have to work with, and if you if you don't use those systems to the best of your ability, you'll get subsumed by them. And, you know, the I, I have very, like, let's say very, very little faith in politicians in general. The, I find them, basically they just make my skin crawl because a lot of them are just on power trips. And, you know, I think maybe people can get involved initially and think that they're going to be doing some some good perhaps and and the system seems incredibly efficient at dragging people into corruption and it's a um it's just a it's the landscape right and you've got to be able to maneuver through it all right um Let's see, Danger Mouse in the chat, good to see you, it says it was the wife. I don't know what that means, bro, but uh, yeah, the wife did come back. Actually, she, she'd just come back the other day when I said she was late. She'd walked through the door. Uh, we need more politicians like Gandhi. Um, I don't know. I don't know enough about Gandhi to uh, really comment on that. I know, I know he's sort of idolized somewhat on the Indian subcontinent uh, for kicking out the British. That was uh, that was our country. 
All right. Enough, uh, enough politics. But uh, yeah, this I want to play this. I haven't watched this yet. So apparently, prank callers. <laughs> I don't know that these these deep fake uh, pranks are hilarious. But this uh, this came or, or this dropped into my feed, and so they've. Well, I have a question I'm, about. They've <laughs> convinced Christine Lagarde, the head of the European Central Bank. To talk about what's coming down the pipeline, <laughs> bravo, man! I've just, I've just got to say, what a, what a brilliant, uh, brilliant approach to calling out these reptiles. And like I say, I haven't listened to it yet, and so I'm just, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy. Well, this I one. have a question about. I'm, I'm also a good um, user of uh, electronic money. So my question, uh, you're and. It does sound him sound like him as well. <laughs> Introducing the electronic euro, as I know. Yeah. So yeah. How can I? Um, how can switching to an electronic currency help? Well, two things. Number one, it will be decided in October. So we are preparing the ground. We want to be ready. Um, we want to be trained, but it will not be decided until October twenty-three. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it won't be just it, it, it decisions are already made I, I guess this is just when the public will know but, um... the reason i'm personally convinced that we have to move ahead is a situation like the one we are in now we are mm -hmm. dependent on the supply of gas by a, a very unfriendly country mm -hmm. i don't want europe to be dependent on an unfriendly country's currency, for instance, I don't know, you know, the Chinese currency, the Russian currency, the mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. or dependent on a friendly currency, but which is activated by a private corporate entity like. I'm I'm going with that's a that's a tranny. That's a dude. I think that's a dude. Look at that. Look at that jawline. You know, Facebook or like uh, Google or anybody like. I'm user of Bitcoin too. So I had bought it uh, when it started and uh, I, I hope that uh, it also will work in through the special system. And uh, I know there are many protests in Europe uh, against uh, the electronic euro. Uh, mm -hmm. What is the reason? You know, it's it's the beauty of Europe. It has different uh, positions. If you ask in Northern Europe, for instance, uh, in the Netherlands, they're quite happy to see the e-euro coming. If you ask... Are they? I don't know, man. From what I've seen, uh, those Dutch uh, seem pretty angry at the moment. But I, oh, I guess you could argue it's uh, down to the farmers. But <laughs> are, the, are the Dutch happy about electronic euros? A young German um, man. Oh, a young German man of uh, historical renown. I wonder who she could be talking about. I'll say, yeah, fine. As I said, I don't want Meta, Google, or Amazon to suddenly come up with a currency that would take over the sovereignty of Europe. 
I don't want a foreign currency to become the currency of trading within Europe. So we have to be ready. No, the problem is they don't want to be controlled. Uh, they don't want to... Uh... Yeah, but you know what? You know what? Now we have in Europe this threshold above 1,000 euros, you cannot pay cash. If you do... What? Is that already extant in Europe? Holy shit. Wow. So <laughs> Terence says, Goy coin. <laughs> Someone needs to make that. Maybe, uh, maybe we should do that. Goy <laughs> coin. <laughs> You're on the grey market. So you take mm -hmm. your risk. You get caught, you are fined, or you go in jail. But you know, the, the, the digital euro is going to have a limited amount of control. There will be control, you're right. You're completely right. Mm -hmm. We are considering whether for very small amounts, you know, anything that is around 300, 400 euros, we could have a mechanism where there is zero control. But that could be dangerous. The terrorist attacks on France uh, back uh, 10 years ago were entirely financed by those very small anonymous credit cards that you can recharge in total anonymity. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, what, to, what to say to that? Um, these, these bastards. And, you know, it just, it does just make you wonder about what they're, about those attacks, right? How, how much were they setting all those up so they could be pushing towards this particular direction. Um, so, all right, I think uh, we can get into some science now. I think that was all I had. Um, yes, so I wanted to just uh, put this. So, uh, <laughs> Thailand Medical, uh, apparently India reports uh, an increase in COVID-19 infections in the last few hours. Uh, doctors getting infected too uh, whether again i'm i don't know how much you can trust statistics from japan but what you can do i think is take a uh you can take a look at uh japanese data and you can see the uh in the last week there has been a blip and increase and i don't know what to make of that it, it, of course this is going to happen now it, are you going it, to it's endemic now there's not there's not much you can do except make sure that you're in optimal condition or as good a condition as you can get such that if you do come into contact with it that um the effects are minimal so you know something to keep an eye on but i'm not uh, overly concerned at the moment if you look at Japan, um, you know, it started off uh, very, very slow with respect to people getting ill and dying. And then each wave got successively worse, such that the, well, they say the last wave was the worst one yet. All right, but I don't want to dwell on that too much. I'm trying to run desperately towards the 
the scientific papers. I'll skip that. Um, yes, this from Ethical Skeptic. So, <laughs> uh, uh, 12 sigma rise in malignant neoplasms. And you have to... That's, that's not something that you can brush off as being people didn't go to see their primary care physicians during the lockdowns. I mean, how much did they lock down in the US? Probably, probably not that much. Not as not like uh, Australia or China. And those numbers are incredibly disturbing. And, you know, why, why malignant neoplasms? It might just be the that plasmid contamination is causing this. Or, or it's a combination of the spike protein being expressed by gene transfection and that uh, SV40 promoter being in those plasmids as well. Who knows? But these, uh, what if we've got turbo cancer, right? Turbo cancer appears to be a thing and, you know, Quite rightly, people should be looking at the vaccines. Now, it's kind of interesting that we did see an increase as COVID emerged, and that would that would point to again the, the viral proteins being a problem. But the I don't. I'm sort of lost for words in how to describe something so catastrophic as a change as that we're looking at on the screen. And it, it should be investigated aggressively. And if it's, if, well, you know, are you, are you going to get labs doing the investigations? I, I, I don't think you, you will because the, the financial hit that you would get from doing that investigation and, and pointing at these uh, products and the systems and the people involved in rolling them out, the, the fallout will crush <laughs> the dreams of any uh, budding uh, investigative PI, etc. And I guess... What we can do right now is, yes, no, the information is there. Stop taking the gene transfections if you have been taking them. And uh, the, the causes of cancer are many, but, you know, if there's, if there's been damage to, literal damage to the genome, that is a possibility because of plasmids integrating so easily. And of course, there's, we've looked at work that the spike protein can do the same. Um, and America, the ball, the ball is in uh, your, your half of the court. You, you need to get on top of this. And I would hope hold people responsible. Right. Uh, Dank Meme says, labs won't do the investigations because they won't get funding for it. It would be self-suicide. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe so. And the, you know, it would, I, I guess you could maybe, maybe the private sector 
perhaps. But again, th these the private sector is so it's still hooked into wanting to get government grants and you know venture capital that type of thing and yeah it's it's a sticky situation we find ourselves in and you know i mean i i have to presume that that slope will eventually settle down or at least i hope it will but again we don't know the the long-term consequences of of what this exposure has done and these these are indicators are not good and we see, and again we see this see it in cardiovascular disease and we see it in dementia which is what i want to get to with respect to the science um i'll skip that about covid origins and let's of course um, do the science so this week we've been focusing on this particular data point right and this those who haven't been paying attention is about the it's a nationwide study in the US just looking at the uh, the daily activity as measured through the amount of steps that you're taking and there has been a significant sustained long-term drop in people's activity and I made the case at the beginning of the week that data like this paper which showed that um, SARS was capable of impacting the dopaminergic system. And the dopaminergic system, again, it's vital for, or it's implicated in Parkinsonian-like syndromes. If you lose dopamine, um, you get more and more Parkinsonian, and along with that comes a whole suite of uh, dementia-like disorders. Uh, let's see, cytokine crosstalk dysregulation and impaired DNA repair, exhausted NK cells in overplayed immunoreaction, turbo cancer. Um, yeah, uh, Dr. I'm, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. And, you know, the, the question is how to, how to investigate it. And, you know, when the, when the world has had to wait and the fact that, you know, it was Kevin McKernan who did the sequencing on these vials to actually see what was in them. And yeah, I, I don't know how you get about it. And the, the issue is that it falls on to the lap of the clinicians out there like, like yourself, Johan. And I don't, I wouldn't want to be in that situation. And as a, clinician i mean what what do you what do you tell the patient do you say that it <laughs> yeah it was likely uh you putting on the uh, or putting on uh, getting uh the vaccine shots that's put you into uh the cancer ward um is is that what we do i don't know uh, again this is this is uncharted territory at the moment and the the problem is, is that we're led by imbeciles, well, not led, but we've put imbeciles and lickspittles into the uh, positions of influence. And again, this is a problem of the nepotistic networks that make up academia. Just, it's, the, it's the lay of the land, and I, I, I rail about it enough. 
constantly and I've, I've wish i've wished there was uh, an easy solution to it and uh, put me in charge i'll sort it out in a couple of weeks but i don't you know most people would probably find my solutions uh, a bit too extreme uh, for the for the state that academia is in so um let's see dr lymphocyte and cytokine panels th1 th2 balance E-regs, I'm not so sure what rants are, but um, immunomodulation via flavonoids. And yeah, I just, I, I'm, th there is no way that I would step into, or trespass into the uh, immune domain to be dishing, dishing out medical advice. I will, I will defer to people like, Joanna, it's um, you know, the neuro neurological neuroscience aspect. I, I don't mind somewhat talking about it, but you know, I, I have zero idea as to what would be effective. I don't know. I mean, how, how do you recover an exhausted immune system? I, I, I would just again defer to rest. You got to rest, rest, rest. Eat properly. Sleep, sleep, sleep. Uh, see, Dankling says, the fact it's taken the world nearly three years to get to this point and most rolled up their sleeves and can't see this as an active extermination program, I personally feel we're be beyond lost. And, yeah, this is, again, a point that I'm fixated on, that, you know, the Malthusians may have just, they got what they wanted. And now, now it's just a waiting game as, the, as those 12 sigma changes in neoplasms and other yeah. end-of-life type disorders just cull the herd. And if, if, if it has a long-term impact on fertility, oof, who knows where that ends and you know literally, literally i can't remember who i was discussing it with but you know it, it might just be a case that if you've got children and you did the right thing and didn't have them exposed to these gene transfections we might just sort of have to be looking for like arranged marriages hey <laughs> did were your were your children vaxxed etc um I don't know. Um, you know the, the solution is have more babies. Encourage the next generation. The, you know, the debt machine and the, the corporate world is is a empty existence. You know, family is where it's at. And you know, if I if I had the you know, if, I, if I played the lotto <laughs> and I won, that's that's what I do. Um, I would. Uh, well, I don't. I, I don't know if I have the knack for planting and tending gardens, etc. But um, I, pe but people that do, you should try and do that, right? Get, why live in San Francisco, play, play, playing, paying the you know the exorbitant costs to live because you want that Silicon Valley job, right? You know think think about your lineage progression find somewhere cheaper to live find a partner to settle down with and spit out those kids like your ancestors did 
stop worrying about trying to get the next iteration of the wank phone that they're trying to force down your throat so they can use their central bank wank currencies on you. <laughs> oh. He's, uh, he's engaged in Roblox. Maybe he's uh, not listening to me. Um, we need bunker-style Liebensborn gatherings. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yes, there definitely are imbeciles at, at the top. Well, I don't know about imbeciles, but it's um, it's the manifestation of the ideology of selfishness as a virtue. That's that's where I think the problem really began to emerge. I'm all right, Jack. You you can uh, you can find your own way uh, through this system, and uh, you know. But in the West, we just dismantled the idea of uh, sovereign nations and <laughs> opened borders, and you know, allowed the third world to come steaming in, and and basically just shit over the working class. <laughs> I, I watched it happen. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying. Orders have to be completely impenetrable. And again, I would just use my own example of living in Japan. I I don't expect the the Japanese system to conform to me being here, right? Yeah, it's it's useful that there are English speaking services when I go to the city office. I'm kind of grateful for that, but you know. If, if they weren't there, I'm sure uh, Google Translate would get me by uh, easily enough. And the, the, what we did in the West was, again, unprecedented in human history. And you know, I, I don't want to get into a long diatribe about great replacements, etc. But it's, you know, it's, what, it's what these people did to their own people. And any vestige of pride and love for country was stamped and shat on by the authorities. Why? Because they wanted to get into this globalized system run by transnationals, transnational vampire K26R carriers. Uh, let's see. Arkot says, I saw Dr. Simon Goddard's superhero mega tweet thread today, which felt a bit like the ending credits to the COVID movie, but somehow I have a feeling this ain't over yet. Maybe a new chapter is beginning. Hopefully not. Look, I'm I'm kind of of the opinion that the in, the intense components of it are, are, are gone. They're, they're not going to be able to maintain that. What, we, what we're going to have now is the long-term consequences of what they did. The health impact of these again biowarfare programs and the hunt for countermeasures that in a nutshell is what brought us to where we are right now and the sad thing is that you know we're again you you saddle the students coming through the medical students coming through the scientists coming through with massive student debt so that they're obliged to 
conform to the system so that they would never speak up uh, or about these these issues. Remdesivir has to go. Um, yes, uh, it would appear that it um, has a side effect profile that um, just wasn't wasn't discussed enough, I guess, in depth. And you know, again, I would put forward the premise and argument that they knew all, all this, and if. You know, if part of this was just the controllers, for want of a better expression, you know, pulling the levers, knowing that they can, they can milk the system again and they're going balls out because they know that this current fiat system has to come to an end as they introduce the next iteration of the Rube Goldberg debt machine that they're going to throw you into, that they just milked everything. And so everything got put onto the table. And, you know, that was an act of war against you. K2 Carrier. Uh, <laughs> just go look at my uh, previous streams for the uh, polymorphism K26R and the groups uh, or group that carries it. All right. Andy Rock says they knew. Yes. Yes, they are. Cube says, preach it. I want to. I'm feeling. Yeah, I've. I, I did what I said yesterday. I, I, I rested uh, a lot after doing the stream. And, you know, if you get your rest, I'm uh, feeling uh, quite chipper today. And so I, I, I would love to preach it, but <laughs> the youngster is sitting next to me. I, they went back to school today, but for essentially an hour and a half, and they then they came back. So um, ah, it is what it is. Uh, let's see. What is this? Mm. How, do, how do I click that link? This. Pfizer adjusts EU vaccine deal, but still wants payment for undelivered doses. <laughs> it's uh, a month old now, but... Um, <laughs> yeah it's um i don't know you know you have to you would hope that more labs after kevin's work would look at the contamination issue and the <laughs> the corporate world is gonna do what the corporate world does Right, it's uh, there's the zombies shuffling around trying to suck up that fiat currency, I guess. And well, I, I I suppose it's more complex than that because, again, it's highly likely that there's a controller class that sits at the top that that has uh, ability to you know have an aerial view and know which pieces to put into place to. Uh, weaponize uh, these systems and institutions. And the problem is that all th all the politicians are all in bed with them, right? And, you know, it's just the res revolving door between Parliament or the Senate and the corporations and, and back in again. We know what the problem is. Uh... 
right, so I did that, did that. Let's see, they want more money for new batches, not even tested in advance. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, JP Morgan CEO suggests government seize private property to quicken climate initiatives. What? That can't be real, surely. That real? <laughs> Oligarch class just, I mean, again, this is just an indicator of you're dealing with 21st century Bolshevik dick sucks. Okay? And we know where Bolshevism came from. One of America's top CEOs is pointing out the flaws of working from home. Listen to this. We have a lot of people back at work fully and some work in hybrid and some jobs it's okay. But, you know, it better be okay for the company, the clients, not just the individual. It doesn't work for young kids. It doesn't work for spontaneity. It doesn't really work for management. And, you know, we, all, we shouldn't be, uh, you know, feeding the squeaky wheel here. All right, you heard him doing math, so, you know, Dagan and Sean are still here. Back on the couch. Uh, they're the co-hosts of the new show, The Bottom Line on Am I watching the right clip here? Um, <laughs> what's uh, basing workplace productivity on how warm the seats are? I don't, I don't, it's this, is this the right clip? Fox Business, Sean Duffy, David, Dagan McDowell. Uh, let's talk about the show in one second. Dagan, what do you think of what Jamie Dimon had to say? Well, he was saying that on a rival loser network. <laughs> um, he was also at Davos. Um, is any American CEO really looking out for the best interests of the United States of America by going to that? That looks like a dude to me. Sorry. Boondoggle in Switzerland, simply spending money to hubbub and hob hobnob with a bunch of elites um, who maybe want to destroy our way of life. Uh, all that money he spent. What do the shareholders have to say about it? And the employees who could have gotten raises instead of him flying over there to do good? Maybe not. I digress. Hey, at least he wasn't unhinged and red in the face like Al Gore. Um, <laughs> We're gonna so, go on really good. No, no, <laughs> um, working from home. I, nice to see he judges productivity by how warm the seats are in the building. Um, I, you know, employees if they work from home can't see how big his corner office is. I, I think that he is an old fuddy-duddy. Really? Yes. I. Uh, this doesn't seem to be about. Uh... I might, I must be missing the wrong clip, I guess, but um, it's uh, we're, we're straying from science, and I want to get into that. So we're doing that, and so um, oh, where's the where, uh, 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 uh. What happened to the paper? So neuropathic symptoms with SARS-CoV-2 uh, vaccination. Now this is a preprint still, um, but look. Thomas Jefferson University. Wow, I did uh, I was there for a couple of years? Uh, Mount Sinai, John Hopkins, Massachusetts General. Um, you know, these aren't um, piker institutions. You know, well, <laughs> you can tell these days. Uh, it's, uh, but you know, it's it's. Well, nice. It's interesting that, you know, they are coming forward with this data. And, you know, if uh, what was that website? I want to say it was like the European Medical Agency, right, where we were, 
they had a good i don't know where i put those links now and it, it was quite a process to sort of go out and, and pull the data out and you know it was <laughs> it feels like a lifetime ago that we were looking at that and you know neurological symptoms or, or side effects were again the leading cause of adverse events and look um neuropathy uh, is no joke it makes your life a bloody misery Let's get into the abstract. Various peripheral neuropathies, particularly those with sensory and autonomic dysfunction, may occur during or shortly after acute COVID-19 illnesses. These appear most likely to reflect immune dysregulation. If similar manifestations can occur with vaccination, remains unknown. In an observational study, we studied 23 patients, eh, not so many, 92% um, female, reporting new neuropathic symptoms beginning within one month after SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. 100% reported sensory symptoms comprising severe face and or limb paresthesias, and 61% had orthostasis, heat intolerance, and palpitations. And again, these um, th those are classic symptoms of the... Um, well, apart, apart from maybe the orthostasis, but sensitivity to temperature is one of the... Hey, big boy, you going downstairs? You feel daddy's cup up? Um, thank you, big boy. Um, I forgot what I was saying now. Oh, yeah, uh, um, like temperature sensitivity uh, in... ME CFS type conditions. It's it's one of the hallmark uh, symptoms. Uh, so autonomic testing in twelve identified seven with reduced distal sweat production and six with positional orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Among sixteen with lower leg skin biopsies, thirty one percent had diagnostic subthreshold epidermal neurite densities. 13% were borderline and 19% showed abnormal axonal swellings. Biopsies from randomly selected five patients that were evaluated for immune complexes showed deposition of complement C4D in endothelial cells. Electrodiagnostic test results were normal in 94%. Uh, so, you know, to pass that real quickly. So, it, clinically, Right, if you like severe neuropathy, you, they'll they'll do these punch biopsies to look for the condition of neuronal uh, axonal fibers, and if they see, I guess I want to. Well, it, it can manifest in multiple ways, but you know, deviations from the norm. And that may be an indicator as to why you're receiving these aberrant and painful signals from your extremities. Uh, electrodiagnostic tests were normal, and so you know the electrodiagnostic test. All they're all they're doing is looking at conduction velocity along an axonal fiber, and if you so something extreme like multiple sclerosis, where the uh, the immune system is attacking the uh, the myelin sheath which surrounds the axon nerve fibers 
um, you'll see aberrations in conduction velocity because well, there's a what they called note. It's called node of Ranvier and saltatory conduction. Now, um, I want to say that pain fibers are slow conducting fibers anyway. So maybe that doesn't apply in this particular instance. But um, well, 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 we'll see what the paper has to say. Uh, da, 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 da. Patients had objective evidence of small fiber peripheral neuropathy. 58% of patients treated with oral corticosteroids had complete or near complete improvement after two weeks as compared to 9% of patients who did not receive immunotherapy having full recovery at 12 weeks. Five to nine months post-symptom onset. I can't read today. <laughs> My mouth's all dry, waiting for my butler to bring me tea. Uh, three non-recovering patients received intravenous immunoglobulin with symptom resolution within two weeks. So, you know, what is what is this abstract pointing at? Which, well, the immune system is, for some reason, I don't want to say overactive. It just means... I would I would argue that its targeting has become skewed, perhaps such that it's you're developing autoimmune disorders, basically. Um, now, look, it's a preprint. It's a very very small study. I'm not I'm not sure how much we can really pull from this, but it's I didn't see any well there was one figure right and i think the other paper that i wanted to look at which is the tissue um spike spike persevering in cranial tissue is a, is a more more important paper but um i'm guessing yeah, if I if I was to just quickly look at that figure and interpret it, what they what they're saying is they see immune activation around um, nerve fibers, and that may be the reason why the neuropathy is there, and um, that uh, many vaccines injured have neuropathy. Yes, yeah, and the 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 question is, you know, what what would be the best way to treat that and you know the again you know a, a course of corticosteroids might might turn things around um again i would I, I i as i was saying yesterday i find it incredibly frustrating when people you know it's it's a type of health lifestyle snobbery i guess or ideological possession such that they they make people feel guilty for wanting to receive you know pharmaceutical based treatments for these conditions and look if if you can knock the neuropathy and and halt it in its tracks through a course of corticosteroids i'm i'm down with that now of course you don't want to be taking them um Forever, but you know, if uh, as they were saying in the abstract, a course of 
don't know what they were giving prednisone probably or immunoglobulin infusion um to rectify it then i'm i'm all for it um you know um you know maybe maybe joanna has different different views on this and again i'm i'm not a clinician medical doctor right i can look at the neuroscience aspect of it and you know yeah it's a it's an interesting finding to see immune cells aggregating around nerve fibers you know the question is why would that be and we have to we have to wonder about what would be uh, or why that would be and you know, there's the issue around expressing Gene transfection and express, expressing the spike protein the way that you're that they're doing, and if again if it gets taken up by particularly nerve cells and expresses these proteins in the peripheral nervous system, then yeah, you could it, it would make sense that when the macrophages come in and try to gobble up the the cells that are expressing foreign proteins they take those signatures and say well this this these peptide sequences from this particular cell cell type are a problem and boom you you switch over into an autoimmune uh type condition um you know the and it it is like I say, it, it can be a very distressing condition for people because often what happens is people go to the doctors and they'll say, oh, the doctor will look at you and say, there's nothing wrong, right? There's no, there's no swelling, et cetera, and you're, you're imagining it. And it, it get, people get shunted again into functional neurological disorders when, no, there perhaps is some ongoing pathology and... And these, and well, look, it's it's happening in both cases. It's happening with viral exposure, and it's happening with vaccines as well. And I just resort to spike is spike is spike. It doesn't matter where it's coming from. It's causing these issues. And you know, if you manage to dodge the bullet somewhat. And you know, I like I say, I know plenty of people who have taken the vaccines have not had a problem, right? Um, let's see, Joanna says neuropathy is fucking hard to hold. That line tree. That's why you need to monitor the subtle inflammatory markers, cytokine regulation, epigenetics under intervention. Yeah, and you know, I I, I would just defer to Joanna in this particular instance because. Um, I'm the only experience I have is is trying to treat myself, and you know the if I if I I'd known back uh, thirty years ago that a course of prednisone would have um, set me right, I'd have done it. Maybe I wouldn't have had the the prolonged. Um, condition that I did but I, I don't know I'm just thinking off the top of my head perhaps uh, high dose vitamin D uh, try to try to tamp down 
your immune system somewhat. Um, I don't know, but you know, there's a, the other issue is is that we know that we see spike being expressed. We've looked at the so these were the Japanese studies, and you know they were well in this particular instance they were looking at um, herpes type lesions, right? So uh, shingles, and that's you know one of the sort of recognised side effects that they were expecting. And what what do they find in those? Uh, shingles lesions was spike protein and maybe, maybe I should scan the methods to see if they did um, look for spike protein methods yes yes chemistry Okay, so multiplex fluorescence immunohistochemistry was performed. Yeah, 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 for one hour. Um, Anti-human IgG, anti-human IgM, followed by. Da, da, da. Yeah, so um, the, again, just scanning through the paper and seeing they've not looked for spike protein, and that perhaps they should have, and. Again, the labile nature of the lipid nanoparticle we know means it goes anywhere and everywhere. And I don't, it probably doesn't take much um, expression within peripheral nervous system um, axons and um, cell bodies, etc., to, to cause these symptoms to emerge. And so, you know, again, it's preprint. I was to review this paper, I would ask them to go back and stain the spike protein. And it's, yeah, it's a shame that they didn't. And like I said, there's there's not a whole bunch in this paper. There's a table um, and it's interesting that it's primarily female who are suffering. Look, um, you know, relatively young patient cohorts. Time from vaccination to any symptoms. Case one, 10 to 15 minutes. Case two, 30 minutes, 16 hours, 10 minutes, two days, one day, three hours, 21 days. Wow. <laughs> what have they done? And again, here's the um, the issue around the functional neurological disorders, right? So, people it it drives people literally insane. This type of un pain, par paresthesias and ne neuropathic pain, and people will say, "Right, I, you got to check me, and you go do the MRI." You don't see anything, and people people get shunted into this terrible category of it's in your head, it's psychosomatic, and it's it's not. And you know you need a 
Joanna was saying, you need a in-depth and sophisticated ongoing analysis of your cytokine panel, I guess, and how it's responding to treatment. Um, let's see, Doc says, low CD8 count has been associated with causing many of the symptoms of long COVID as well as an indication of susceptibility to COVID. Uh, yeah, you know what, I did, I did have that paper ready to go to read. Um, then I, then I dropped it. There was a, I say there was a, maybe it was last week I had one. Um, let's see. Here on acts directly on CD8 cells. Yes. <laughs> Dr. Bean had a statistician on his YouTube channel last week showing how long COVID is mainly in women. Also, long COVID recovery times are much faster now with Omicron compared to old variants. Well, that's good news. Uh, what paper are we currently discussing, Commander Rixie? It's neuropathy in uh, or neuropathic pain after vaccination. And um, it's, yeah, it's stunning that they didn't stain for S1 or, or spike protein in this particular instance. But, the, you know, the, there's no guarantee. Like the biopsy is such a small sample overall. It's not a guarantee that you, you, you might still be expressing it, but not, not pick it up in the sample. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of loath to put more more effort into reading this. But you know what I'll do? I'll I'll read their discussion and see what they see what they think about causes. Maybe maybe that's a good way of encapsulating the paper. So this this report describes neuropathic symptoms that develop within one month of first or second COVID-19 vaccination. All patients in this series reported symptom onset within three weeks of vaccination. If you look at the table, it's minutes or hours. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, first, second doses. Although one had evidence of pre-vaccination COVID-19 infection, cross-reactivity between seasonal beta coronaviruses and subunits of SARS-CoV-2 spike protein may play a priming role. Yes. I would agree with that. As an observational study of self-referred patients, it's inherit, inherently limited by referral bias. Yes. And look, and th there's a... Um, uh, they obviously didn't want to know if it was there. Yeah, that, that would be my uh, assumption right now. And you, you, if you don't look for it, you, you ain't going to find it. And... Um, my, if, if this paper manages to get through review and they haven't done that, well, another indicator of how uh, decayed and rotten the system has become. All right, so hot, 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 hot. Um, you like the link um it's
that's the okay so case reports link other immune mediated conditions such as idiopathic thrombocytopenic cytopenic purpuria acute onset myocarditis Guillain-Barre syndrome to SARS-CoV-2 vaccination, but specificity is also not confirmed. And again, that that's a... I would be very careful about making a statement like that, particularly in light of the studies that we have now, which can find spike circulating spike protein um, in vaccinated who have uh, developed myocarditis. That... that the more I've sort of poked into this paper, the the less the less I'm liking it. I'm I'm glad it's coming up as a topic discussion, but um, I'm not I'm not sure I'm liking the. What should we say? Maybe maybe the intent of the authors was to again equivalent of a limited scientific limited hangout, basically. All right. Uh, not all patients underwent complete evaluations, with some data were collected during clinical care, including telemedicine evaluations during the pandemic. Hmm. That's problematic. The circumstantial evidence here suggests that in some individuals, SARS-CoV-2 vaccination neuropathy may be disimmune. The fact that participants were screened and common causes of neuropathy eliminated the presence of oligoclonal bands in the CSF of two of the five participants. Well, we, um, we spoke about uh, the importance of the CSF yesterday and the monkey studies. And again, you know, what, what did the monkey studies inform us? That you can see um, a very heterogeneous response in proteomic expression in CSF. Um, and e even though they've been exposed to the same uh, insult. Now, you know, they made the argument that perhaps the African green monkeys in that paper because they were wild caught and, you know, they're Im well, immune and physiological status essentially is uh, unknown, right? Because you, you don't know what they've been exposed to prior to capture. Uh, da, 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 da. The fact that participants were screened and common causes of neuropathy eliminated the presence of a learning. I did that with five participants. Deposition of immune complexes on skin biopsy and apparent response to immunotherapy supports possible immune involvement. Plus, almost all patients here were female. <laughs> Females comprised 69% in one case series of neuropathy incident to COVID-19. They comprise the large majority of SFM patients and of patients with most systemic and organ-specific immune syndromes. And again, you know, why, why is it women? I think women are more inclined to go to the doctor than dudes are because dudes will come home, <laughs> bang a shot of whiskey and a couple of paracetamol, you'll be good in the morning. <laughs> Sleep it off. That link there. Five things to know about long COVID and chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, from Gavi.org. I might give that one a miss, doll. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, let's see. Da -da 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 -da. 
Similarly, uh, POTS, uh, postural, whatever it is, orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, I think that's what it stands for, and multiple types of peripheral neuropathy are well described after other vaccinations or illnesses, including brachial plexitis, uh, I guess just means inflammation of the brachial nerve. Uh, the current series extends the hypothesis that COVID incident neuropathies are disimmune rather than directly infectious. Postmortem peripheral nerve pathology after fatal COVID-19 infections identified inflammatory perivascular infiltrates, predominantly macrophages, without viral antigen in nerves. Detection of interferon-stimulated gene, whatever that is, gene MXA, in endothelial cells suggested type 1 interferon response. It's currently unknown if similar mechanisms might contribute to potential vaccine-induced neuropathies. Various disimmune large fiber neuropathies have been temporarily associated with SARS-CoV-2 infection, including Guillain-Barre syndrome, mononeuritis, multiplex, plexopathy, multifocal motor neuropathy, and sensory neuropathy with responsivity to immunotherapies effective for other disimmune neuropathies reported. SFN may be associated with long COVID syndromes. All our patients had neuropathic symptoms, but objective findings of SFN were present in a few patients only. Not all patients with autonomic dysfunction had abnormalities on skin biopsy. In studies of mouse sensory ganglia, small fiber neurons preferentially display ACE2 docking protein for SARS-CoV-2, consistent with the potential predominance of since all SARS-CoV-2 vaccines encode the spike protein, anti-spike protein immune responses may link post-COVID and post-vaccine syndromes. Think? And again, the, the issue is that the reservoir or where the immune system has come into contact with spike of any um, origin, you, may, you might not pick it up in the sample that you take and do the immunohistochemistry on. And, you know, particularly, you know, so think about this as a hypothetical, right? So we we saw yesterday the, the proteomics, so within the central nervous system, and what were the areas that were lighting up? So basal ganglia, um, cortex, and brainstem regions. Now, if you've got a, let's say a putative protein misfolding disorder of, you know, again, that we, we may not know which, which protein cascades and the associated metabolic pathways could potentially be impacted but just as a as a general hypothesis if there's impact within those neural networks then they could manifest as or, or be perceived as being uh, per, uh external or within the peripheral nervous system and you know these are again this is the difficulty with like neurology neurology is a very you know there's a there's an art to it as much as there is the sort of hardcore staining, scanning, whatever other tests that they've that they can come up with these days, and you know the and that often just comes from experience, the the clinician's experience, and 
you know, you, if you've only ever seen 10 patients in your life uh, or in your career, you're going to be limited in what you understand. But if you've had a 30-year career and you've seen 10,000 patients, you probably can sort of stitch things together a little better. Um, so we were looking at anti-spike protein immune responses so yeah although the spike protein might interact directly with neurons to mediate the sensory symptoms anti-idiotypic antibodies to the spike protein immune complex also bind with the ACE2 receptor this autonomia during and after SARS-CoV-2 infection is similar but more severe in acutely ill COVID-19 patients and post-COVID-19 patients than in post-vaccination series. Um, again, I'm, I'm not so sure that's the, the case. And the thing is, it's a, it's a, messy, it's a messy data set, right? Because you don't know... You know, you could get, well, they, they did mention this at the beginning, right? You, you might have had a, an exposure to SARS already, and then exposure to gene transfection may, may just make the issue worse. Alternatively, this response may be nonspecific since sim similar symptoms are reported after other infections and vaccinations. Finally, small fibers, lack of myelin, which means they require more energy to maintain axolemal channels, membrane proteins along the full length of the fiber instead of just at the internodes. These fibers also have small amounts of axoplasm and organelles to resupply their distal axons, thus they are preferentially vulnerable to degenerate even from non-specific adversity, including diabetes. Currently, there is insufficient immunological detail. Here, we did not detect the few characterized autoantibodies associated with dysautonomia or neuropathy, but, but most are not yet characterized. The increased deposition of C4D complement on cutaneous endothelial cells seen here is consistent with immune-mediated activation classical complement pathway. C3D, C4D regulatory molecules covalently bind tissues formation I guess they mean to form a cytolytic complex. Endothelial C3D and C4D deposition is reported in SLE and small vessel vasculitis and low blood vessels have been reported in some surveys for small fiber neuropathy. Cases of seronegative immune-mediated sensory autonomic neuropathy, post-viral infection and post-vaccination implicate memory T-cell responses rather than autoantibodies as do patients that respond dramatically to high-dose corticosteroids but not to plasma exchange. And genetic susceptibility to various immune conditions, including sensory neuropathy and autonomic dysfunction, is documented. Autoantibody generation driven by molecular mimicry and independent immunodysregulation may both contribute. And again, the, um, the spike protein is loaded with epitopes that are... have the potential for triggering this um, auto-antibody phenomenon. And again, you have to ask yourself if, well, if, as this is highly likely a synthetic construct, that again, this is what they're aiming for. Neuropathy is a wonderful inc incapacitation state. Right? You're unable to sustain 
effort, etc. And you know, these are these are all areas of interest to the bioweaponeers. Enough time has not yet elapsed for large-scale epidemiological studies necessary to confirm or refute causal relations between SARS-CoV-2 vaccination and immune-mediated diseases, thus these results are preliminary. However, although further animal model and other investigations are needed to confirm... I don't know what that means. White... white whipsky, whipsky postulates? I'm not sure what those are. What is that? <laughs> Never heard of that before. Oh, it's uh, criteria for defining uh, autoimmune disease. There you go. Uh, virtually all preliminary evidence to date supports immune mechanisms, although some patients may respond to corticosteroids and some severe and refractory cases to IVIG. These agents convey cost and risk of adverse effects should be used cautiously in well-characterized patients being carefully monitored or be used in the context of a clinical trial. Of note, some patients here improved without immunotherapy, Further studies are needed to determine if there might be a causal relationship between SARS-CoV-2 and axonomopathy. Give us more money, basically, at the end. Um, the Again, um, it could have been a, a much better paper, and the fact that they didn't stain all spike protein is a, is a big, big failing. Um, by NINS. This was funded by National MS Society. Okay. No uh, no Gavi or Bill Gates in there, I guess, at least. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, God, have we got the 100 loop <laughs> thing going? Let me crush that. Stop that. All right. Sort that out. E Test. All right. Uh, let me just see if there's any questions I can try to answer. I'm a good home herbalist because my husband is a hypochondriac. <laughs> Funny. Uh, check your stripe doc. I will. Please feed that tax evading bleak cyber phoenix so we can maintain. We can maintain our server architecture. We're going to need it, folks. Going to need it. And, uh, oh, yeah, a couple uh, there. So thank you to Matt and Jay. Uh, you can have... What can we have? Uh... <laughs> you had enough? Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. But uh, we need more. We need more. Fade the blinks. Right. Um, let's go to the other paper, which I think is going to be more interesting, which is SARS-CoV-2 spike protein accumulation in the skull meninges brain axis. Potential implications for long-term neurological complications in post COVID-19. Now, um, within the context of that, you have to take 
the last study we just looked at, which is that you're seeing um, neurological issues and we're, um, again, spike is spike is spike. Uh, in my mind, it doesn't matter where it comes from. What matters is where it's being expressed, I guess. So uh, let's see, what can we pull from the graphical abstract? Well, we can see virions in the, <laughs> disturbingly, uh, the skull, skull marrow. And uh, let's see, the meninges, which are part of the covering of the brain. And I guess within the, well, the vasculature, of the brain uh, itself as well. So, um, yeah, and of course, again, we're honing in on uh, activation of microglia. I really, in my mind, that is the, well, it makes sense that that should be the focus for therapeutics. And again, going off what I said yesterday, what works for one person might not work for you, and it's a process to find uh, what does. So, let's uh, see. So, short summary. The accumulation of SARS-CoV-2 spike protein in the skull meninges brain axis presents potential molecular mechanisms and therapeutic targets for neurological complications in long COVID-19 patients. Uh, let's see. Looks like German study. And uh, I want to say we had, there was a very, very cool... Uh, set of images uh, pulled out or associated with this paper. I don't know how they've done this yet. It looks... Oh, well, it's, it's, I, I'm presuming it's some sort of immunohistochemistry and maybe they've used... Um, I don't know. Maybe something like that clarity technology where they sort of defat tissue sort of make it translucent maybe. Um, but yeah, beautiful, beautiful, um, beautiful images. 60% of people who had COVID in the past had a long lasting spike protein in their skull. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right. <laughs> um, wow, it looks like, I don't know what that is, mouse, rats. Um, we'll, we'll find out. Let's get into the paper. Uh, da, 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 da. So, uh, coronavirus, yes, SARS-CoV-2, we know this, has been associated with a range of neurological symptoms. I told you, including brain fog and brain tissue loss, raising concerns about the virus's acute and potential chronic impact on the central nervous system. In this study, we utilized mouse models and human post-mortem tissues to investigate the presence and distribution of the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein in the skull meninges brain axis. Our results revealed the accumulation of the spike protein in the skull marrow, brain meninges, and brain parenchyma. Now, my my question would be um, if they're finding it in the marrow of the skull, right? Um, 
I, I want to, like the hemopoietic stem cells, right, are part of the brain marrow. Yes, big boy? Stop sniffling. And that one, but he said, I cheated. And we did it again, and he, after I did. And then, and, and they wouldn't do it too, because he do it second. Did he do it second? He didn't do it? Where is he right now? William? Apologies, folks. <laughs> Live streaming. Kids at home. Sorry. <laughs> William! William! No. Alex, be quiet. William, come here. Hang on. Were you, were you cheating? No? Why did he say you're cheating? You, you, you won two rows of rock, paper, scissors, huh? And why are you all so wet? Well, look, get dry, both of you. Alex, put some dry clothes on, please. And both of you knock it off. Daddy's working, okay? Uh. <laughs> Uh, what was I? Um, abstract, right. Um, the injection of the spike protein alone caused cell death in the brain, highlighting a direct effect on brain tissue. Oh! <laughs> Colour me surprised! <laughs> Furthermore, we observed the presence of spike protein in the skull of deceased long after their COVID-19 infection, suggesting that the spikes persistent may contribute to long-term neurological symptoms. Ding, ding, ding. You're a winner, Doc McCann. You told the world first. The spike protein was associated with neutrophil-related pathways and dysregulation of proteins involved in P13K, AKT, as well as complement and coagulation pathway. Overall, I find it suggests that SARS-CoV-2 spike protein trafficking from CNS borders into the brain parenchyma and identified differentially regulated pathways may present insights into mechanism underlying immediate and long-term consequences of SARS-CoV-2 and present diagnostic and I'm just going to have to go and restore order on deck, folks. Just give me one minute.
मतलब हाँ तबीयत साफ हो गया सालो यू हैड एनफ Right. Uh, where were we? All right. SARS-CoV-2 infection is associated with numerous neurological and neuropsychiatric complications. Ah, imagine that, including anosmia, dysgeusia, fatigue, myalgia, depression, headache, encephalopathy, and meningitis, and also substantially increase the risk of ischemic strokes. Even patients with mild cases of COVID-19 often suffer from long-term SARS-CoV-2 effects in the brain, including fogging, reduced grey matter thickness, and brain size. Now. <laughs> Look, again, this, I think we have to make an effort to move away from just calling it brain fog, right? If we have to, this is chronic inflammatory states initiated in the brain by persistent chimeric synthetic peptides that have come out of bioweapons research. That's what we're dealing with, okay? And God damn it, man, people, people need to wake up. Uh, uh, let's see. William sounds like he's about to be in some deep shit. Uh, yeah. Um, he was. <laughs> look, they're, they're kids, right? What are What are you supposed to do? Uh, you have to discipline them sometimes, right? And you know, thankfully, I can <laughs> I can do it with my voice. Rather than, rather than the lion on of hands. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like uh, they could do with. Uh... <laughs> Daddy needs to be a bit more of a disciplinarian. Right, uh, back to this. Yes, we know. Uh... That brain size, several studies have investigated the involvement of the central nervous system in COVID-19 related symptoms. And although SARS in COVID-19 and SARS-CoV-2 was detected in brain tissue in some samples and studies, other studies failed to detect virus. And again, we went through this yesterday. And again, you know, you can't, um, people are not machines, code, engines, electronics, etc. We're <laughs> a rich tapestry and may it remain rich and diverse, but with strong, strong borders. <laughs> uh, various technical issues, such as contamination from the blood in PCR-based methods, misidentification of capillaries as parenchyma in immunohistochemistry, staining errors using inappropriate antibodies, or differences in patient populations might explain this discrepancy. However, even without detectable virus RNA in brain parenchyma, signs of widespread immune activation could be detected. The lack of evidence for the viral presence and especially viral replication in the brain led to the hypothesis that the virus shed proteins circulating in the bloodstream may promote an inflammatory response independent of direct infection of the affected organs, including the brain. And again, this is why you need to wrap your mind around these prion amyloidogenic peptide sequences. And... Why Why is there a completely new one in SARS-CoV-2? This is my contention is that through years of focused research, and as Charles has stated again and again and again, 
what happens in the weapons labs, you, peons, ain't gonna know about it till it's fired at you. And now they've gone and fired it at you. <laughs> so now we're gonna have 20 years of uh, back and forth and just hope we can shut down the no virus goons and the graphene goons and the clones can't spread goons. <laughs> Notably, the highly immunogenic spike protein also used in COVID-19 vaccines and might be a candidate for triggering infection-independent effects. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, While the immune system is skewed by prednisone and an mRNA vaccine kicking your antibodies around, I don't know what that means. Uh, no virus chap's going to have a headache. Yes. Um, spike protein has been shown to affect endothelial function in vitro and in vivo and induce uh, toll-like receptor to mediated inflammatory responses in vitro after intraperitoneal injection in mice. But whether such responses can also be observed in patients has not been thoroughly investigated. However, the long persistence of the spike protein has been shown in the patient's immune cells at least 15 months and in the patient's blood plasma at least 12 months in a uh, non-published article in this, in this instance. Radio-labeled free spike protein has been shown to cross mice's blood-brain barrier and enter the brain parenchyma. However, due to limited resolution of the methods employed, the exact routes of the spike protein entry to the brain, their targets and molecular changes associated with spike protein accumulation in brain tissue remain largely unclear. Here we used optical tissue clearing. Yeah, so they're using that clarity technique by the sounds of it, which is an amazing um, uh, technique. Uh, right, let me... Let's... Um, <laughs> Let's just uh, confirm that's what it is before I play a video of uh, Clarity Brain because um, it, it does look amazing. Uh, so, so we used optical tissue clearing to identify all tissues that accumulated SARS-CoV-2 spike protein in mice and investigate the distribution of spike protein in post-mortem samples from COVID-19 patients. We also characterized the protein expression in consequences of SARS-CoV-2 infections in different skull tissues from post-mortem human samples with mass spectrometry-based proteomics. Oh, God, we've got to get to proteomics again. We found an accumulation of spike protein in the skull marrow niches recently discovered skull meninges connection, meninges and the brain parenchyma in both mouse and human samples. Human proteomics data showed dysregulation of complement and coagulation cascades, similar to the monkeys, and related pathways, and an upregulation of pro-inflammatory proteins. Injecting spike protein to skull marrow niches directly in healthy mice triggered proteome changes and cell death in the brain parenchyma. Surprisingly, we identified lingering spike protein in the skull samples of a subset of individuals who recovered from COVID-19 and died due to non-COVID-19 related causes. Wow, what were those causes? Maybe they are related. Thus, accumulation of SARS-CoV-2 and spike protein at the CNS borders can contribute to changes in the brain, suggesting a possible mechanism for the neurological effects of SARS-CoV-2 infection. Yeah. <laughs> think, think how much uh, Dimwick Cooey 
tried to just play all this down, right? <laughs> what a fucking retard. Results, uh, whole body distribution. Well, let me, I, I want to just see if the methods, um, I can probably just, yeah, they've, they've used, uh, clarity. So let me, I, I always love uh, any chance to play the clarity, uh, clips is always a good one. Let's do this. So. Video. And so what they do is they defat the tissue, right? um, and then they they're labeling uh, for immunohistochemistry. Is uh, well, you can well. <laughs> Why am I talking? I can let the uh, let the video show. We're heading into the center of a mouse's brain, into the hippocampus where memories are formed. <laughs> you got such beautiful images and they do it at 720p, assholes. Looking up, you can see neurons projecting to the surface of the brain. This is the work of Carl Dyseroth and his team at Stanford University. By making the entire brain transparent, they were able to image it using a light microscope. They call the new technique clarity. I've met Carl Dyseroth as well. <laughs> Existing techniques for studying the brain's wiring are often limited to looking at very small volumes of brain, or they don't allow you to label genes or chemicals of interest. The advantage of clarity is that you can label lots of molecules in whole brains. So how do you make a brain transparent? The thing that obscures the view is fat. Lipid layers surround each cell. To remove them without disrupting the cell structure, the team used a hydrogel to create a mesh to hold the rest of the components in place. Then they could clear away the fat. This is a mouse brain before and after. The brain is now transparent to light, but it's also permeable to molecules, which means scientists can add molecular markers to highlight specific features. one millimeter block of hippocampus, excitatory neurons are green, inhibitory neurons are red, and cells called astrocytes are blue. The technique works in human brains too. This is a chunk of the frontal lobe of a seven-year-old boy who had autism. It's possible to trace the path of a single nerve projection through a forest of other cells. 
when the team looked closely in one layer of the cortex, they noticed ladder-like patterns where neurons had connected back to themselves and to other neurons. Similar abnormal structures have been seen in animals with autism-like behaviours. Being able to analyse brain structures like this and match them up with molecular information could help neuroscientists uncover how changes to the brain underlie disease. And it's not just the brain. The researchers say the technique could be applied to any organ. So let's get back to the paper of interest. So uh, whole body distribution of spike in a mouse model. To identify all potential, I'm going to have to, of course, do this. Read, but... Your dog needs glasses. <laughs> I'm such a such a stubborn asshole that I won't go and <laughs> I won't go and get reading specs. I refuse. <laughs> I ain't doing it. <laughs> all right, let's uh, keep the figure up there. Right. So to identify all potential tissues that are targeted by SARS-CoV-2, we map the distribution of fluorescently labelled spike S1 protein in intact transparent mice. Yeah. So they can they can defat like whole mice that's a that's another uh, weird um image to look at uh, i know i'm getting sort of sidetracked but uh picking it up real quick but uh, well if i was to dig in the literature there are um tissue clearing mouse uh, there we go there was a uh, japanese group i want to say There. So, I don't know. 
Sorry. So you're looking at the head. Uh, I'm guessing that looks like thorax, maybe. Lower limbs, you can see the tail there. And again, head, chest, and um, pelvis areas. So yeah, quite a, quite amazing. of technology now uh, wild type spike protein has a low binding affinity for the mouse angiotensin converting enzyme to uh wait 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 go back a second um why not a direct measurement of viral tropism? Recent studies demonstrate the utility of the recombinant spike protein as a proxy to study SARS-CoV-2 targeting and pathology in mice. Wild-type spike protein has a low binding affinity for the mouse uh, ACE2 receptor. We cannot use the transgenic K18HS2 mouse line, which arbors the human form of ACE2 driven under the... <laughs> I need glass. Uh, Cytokeratin 18 promoter leading to an ectopic overexpression of um, humanized ACE2, which would bias the biodistribution analysis. We therefore conjugated Alexa 647 to spike S1 protein carrying the mutation which enables binding to the mouse ACE2 isoform. As a control, we also conjugated Alexa 647 to the wild type spike and influenza virus hemagglutinin for comparison. A fair minutes post-intravenous injection, the mice were transcardly perfused and their whole bodies were subjected to optical transparency clearing and imaged using light sheet microscopy. We detected spike binding in most organs, including the heart, lung, liver, kidney, intestine, thymus, spleen, and pancreas, in contrast to the wild-type spike S1 and hemagglutinin, more exclusive to the liver and lung, figure 1A. So... I'm, I'm loath to zoom in because it messes with my placement in the so what are we looking at so there's the control there's the so again you've got to think about the mouse as I just showed you as they that they've defatted it and where it's red labeled red you can see um it's tropism around all these different bodies and as charles uh is wont to say uh 20 27 something like that 27 different um tissues because of the furing cleavage site become susceptible to the spike protein whereas uh influenza here is basically just um located in the lungs and what you can see right here um you can see the brain of mouse and this this square here i don't even see my mouse so right hand side of the screen so you the Obviously, I'm covering. There you go. Um, so, nothing in the brain in the control, and it embedded through the brain in the 
spike and nothing with the hemagglutinin. And let's see. They're looking at all the different organs here that are affected. Um, so I guess this is the point that they wanted to get to, which is um, skull, skull marrow, right? And I want to uh, let me let me just check because I want to know if because right, my my understanding is it's hematopoietic stem cells are more found in like the uh, long bones, like the femur and cells, stem cells. See any? Skull and vertebral bone marrow are. They do have hematopoietic stem cells. A byloid cell reservoirs for the meninges and CNS parenchyma. Um, yeah, so, you know, we. <laughs> this cancer issue um, just got a whole bunch more complicated. All right, so let's let's go back to the paper. Wanna, this paper looks awesome, so I want to give it the oh, my full attention rather than just God damn it! Come on. Right. We did hemagglutinin, yada yada yada, and. We detected spike S1 binding in most organs, including heart, lung, liver, kidney, intestine, thymus, spleen, and pancreas, in contrast to wild type spike 1 and HA more exclusive to the liver and lung. Within each organ, the spike S1 highly accumulated in close vicinity to blood vessels. You would expect that. Uh, in the liver, kidney, and lung, most of the spike S1 signal in the abdomen was situated in the capillary bed and most likely from liver, cup for cells, spleen, follicles, glomeruli, and alveoli. Spike S1 protein was also found in the parenchyma of the testes and ovaries. Now, probably it would make sense to... Ah, it is allowing me to... Ah, awesome. So, uh... Ah, now I understand why Adobe now doesn't allow you to scroll zoom, right? You do have to use buttons, and so you can have a zoomed-in sheet, and that is going to make reading much, much easier for me. But um, let's see if we can find their supplementary data videos. Hmm. I'll find a link to that. Well, we looked at the tissue, obviously that was this 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 video, right? I'm not I'm not sure which is which, but 
guessing, yeah, that's your defatted mouse. You can, I can see the four limbs there. That plane wasn't doing this. Uh, moreover, spike S1 was detected in the brain prefrontal cortex. Uh, video pre-C. Connecting the skull marrow to the meninges, figure 1D. And that is this one. And I want to know what the green is. And of course, being nature, so methods buried somewhere. Oh, this is preprint still. <laughs> okay. It it looks like they're getting ready to put it in nature. <laughs> put it that way. Uh, all right, let's this. The visualization of spike S1 protein in the intact mouse head and representative sagittal images of the skull bone marrow. MCs and meninges. Arrowheads indicate spike S1 protein in SMC. So, um, yeah, that doesn't uh, that doesn't really help. What's the label for spike one here? Maybe it'll come clear as we work through. <laughs> okay, suggesting that uh, SMCs could play a role in distributing the S1 protein through the skull in addition to other potential routes, such as transport by phagocytic cells or direct extravasion from blood vessels. Similarly, the spike S1 pro protein accumulated in the bone marrow from other bones like the long bones, tibia, and femur, indicating it reaches bone marrow niches, figure S1b, and spike protein in diverse regions of the brain and spinal cord. Co-staining with Dextran for vessel visualization, we found that spike S1 protein was mainly localized in the brain blood vessels, which, you know, that would make sense considering the methods that they did, which was like an IV exposure hang on one minute boys Alex come here Alex here William You stay apart from each other, okay? Why don't you It's it, uh, it, it's frustrating having the having to restore order on deck as the kids are messing up because this is such a beautiful 
study. I think, I think we're kind of done with one. Okay, so SARS-CoV-2 infection in the human skull, meninges, and brain. So, uh, yeah, you can uh, whinge all you want about, oh, they did it in, uh, they did it in mice, and uh, it's not a, uh, it's not valid. You can, uh, you can dismiss this and ignore this. But no, this paper has got um, autopsy data, and that is of incredible importance. The skull bone marrow was characterized as myeloid. Oh. William! All right, so uh, figure two is going to be of major importance. So here you can see where they've taken the skull section. Um, parietal bone, two centimeters by two centimeters. Dura mater, still attached. Amazing. And so see skull there. Can you see that? So we're looking at this middle panel, figure B, and there's the dura, and all those little bright orange dots are there tagging spike protein. Now, again, you know, does this happen with other diseases? And, you know, the inference from this paper is that well you can use uh, influenza virus which you know most people just say ah just a flu bro and they didn't find this type of phenomenon again when when you've gene transfected with a highly labile particle expect the same and you don't you don't need you don't even need the lipid nanoparticle, and it would, I would argue, just going from what we've read so far, to cause this type of effect. As long as you've got a reservoir and depot of it somewhere, and it's spitting out spike protein, the spike protein will make its way there just because it's entering into the general circulation. Is there, I, I want to find um, web-based version. If, if, if someone can find a, 
the I don't know the yeah the web browser version of this article. Uh, please send me a link right now as I'm trying to work through it because reading a PDF like this is it's painful. I can uh, we'll, we'll keep struggling through, but you know here we can see that zoomed in. But let's let's look at this figure here, which is the cortical section from human post-COVID-19, quote-unquote, recovered. And you know, that's not a small signal there. And again, as I was saying about the, like the biopsy sample that you would take for someone that's got neuropathy, okay? you know, you've got meters squared of potential areas that you could be sampling from and you, you could miss, right? And essentially in this instance, they've taken, you know, there's a lot of brain tissue that you're not sampling from when you take that two by two centimeter section out of your cadaver's brain. And so you would have to presume that this deposition, if they looked elsewhere in the brain, you would continue to see the same thing. This is very, very disturbing. And <laughs> back to this article and this data, which shows a population scale impact on activity. This is the fingerprint of incapacitation. We know that it's impacting dopaminergic neurons. And it's distributed all through the brain. Doc, you can right-click, download PDF, and open it in a browser. Instead, open with... Yeah, I'm using the browser to look at it. Um, I want the web-based version of the article. And maybe, maybe there isn't, because it's just on the preprint server. But... You know, this, this thing, this article has been formatted already for, um, as you would for, a, for its publication. I'm looking at that, um, you, you can see the... Um, Oh, what do they call it? Like the spongy spaces in in the bone. Oh, I've forgotten. It'll tell us right. All right. So, illustration for the sampling of the human skull with meninges. Top left, representative images of the spike protein antibody and PI labeling in COVID nineteen patient skull with meninges. And yeah, I didn't. Oh, you can't see, but if you. Oh, God, this functionality is dumb. But the orange labeling, you can also see it there uh, as part of the Dura. So every, every layer of essentially the cranial axis. axis. Right. So bone, Dura, brain parenchyma, 
are all expressing spike protein or have been or have have been infiltrated by spike protein we did that representative image of spike protein and collagen for antibody staining in COVID-19 patient brain with meninges. Uh, see, so, like I say, the meninges is the sort of layers between the dura and the cortex proper. And yeah, you can see the little orange, oh, you can't. <laughs> Should have the paper to hand, folks, and zooming in with me, but um, there you can see tags, and there in the brain cortex as well. And then you've obviously got closer, close-up view. The representative images of spike protein antibody and CD31 antibody labeling in COVID-19 patients. That's D. This looks like bone to me. Arrowheads indicate spike protein and skull marrow niche. Yeah, quantification of spike protein co-localization with CD31 signal in six optical sections. E. Sensitive confocal images of spike protein antibody labeling, COVID-19 patient meninges and brain cortex. Yes. Uh, and the... The bottom row just looks like more more canonical type immunohistochemistry and obviously lung uh, meninges brain and cortex and what's the table something with RT-PCR results wow they had uh, 27, 27 samples, <laughs> uh, 27 uh, cadavers. I'm presuming that's what they're So out of 27, positive in the skull, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In the meninges, one, two, three, four, and brain no RT-PCR but that's kind of odd because they're showing white protein so I'm guessing I'm guessing the RT-PCR is looking for it's targeting other viral proteins anyway let's uh, keep pressing on Uh, lympho 
the lymphopoietic niche is also identified in the CNS border meninges, suggesting the involvement of the skull and meninges in neurological diseases. One study reported the transition of bacteria from the cerebral spinal fluid through the channels into the skull marrow cavities. Therefore, we hypothesize that the connection between the skull marrow and meninges might contribute to SARS-CoV-2 virus entry into the brain. We first studied the distribution of SARS-CoV-2 in postmortem skull tissues of patients who died from COVID-19 infection. 17, uh, N equals 10, had also meninges attached. We used optical clearing Chanel protocol developed for large human tissue and three-dimensional imaging to analyze the histopathological profile of human skull samples attached to Uramata. We identified viral spike protein in the skull marrow niches, uh, SMCs, and meninges of SARS-CoV-2 infected patients. There was no spike protein labeling in the samples from control individuals. We found spike protein in collagen-4 and CD31 positive blood vessels but also 44.8% outside of the blood vessels in the skull marrow niches, suggesting the spike protein leaked into skull marrow. Furthermore, with confocal imaging, we localized spike protein in the perinuclear space of meningeal cells in the vicinity of new N positive neurons in the brain. Uh, we also analyzed the lungs of these patients where we identified co-expression of ACE2 spike proteins in the meninges of infected patients, we found concomitant decrease of ACE2 consistent with reported ACE2 downregulation and endothelial dysfunction in COVID-19 patients. Interesting. SARS-CoV-2 RNA was detected in 8 of 16 skull samples and 6 out of 12 meninges samples of COVID-19 patients using RT-PCR along with nucleocapsid protein. Right, so that's, I'm guessing they've got nucleocapsid negative in the brain. Right. So all the brain prefrontal cortex samples we inspected were PCR negative, and also we did not detect the nucleocapsid protein. The presence of spike protein in the absence of viral load PCR negative in the brain and meninges from the same patients would suggest either a specific uptake mechanism to the brain or a longer half-life of spike protein compared to SARS-CoV-2 viral particles. Yeah, <laughs> what have we been saying? All right, proteomics profiling. Well, it's going to get tough. So to explore the consequences of SARS-CoV-2 infection and spike protein accumulation at CNS borders, we performed mass spectrometry-based label-free quantitative proteomics analysis of region-matched human tissues from COVID-19 patients and controls. In the skull marrow samples, a total of 6,504 proteins were identified across the sample from COVID-19. Probably... Yeah, man, I'm just, uh, I'm just getting too ancient. This, this fancy, fancy tech they're throwing here. I mean, sort of looking for at the acronyms for the proteins, and you know, I, I, I wouldn't. Well, maybe they'll explain it. All right, so. Proteomics, right? Well, we observed high concordance within the groups and controls. 
COVID-19 samples. The correlation between COVID-19 and control samples was relatively low to moderate, suggesting a substantial and reproducible influence of the viral infection on the protein expression profiles in the skull marrow. Principal component analysis, I explained that yesterday, I'm not doing it again, showed clear segregation of the skull marrow samples from COVID-19 and control group. We identified 655 differentially expressed proteins in the COVID-19 skull marrow, with 496 being upregulated and 159 being downregulated. We found a reduced expression of SARS-CoV-2 host cell-associated entry factors. There's neuropilin-1 again. However, other coronavirus entry factors such as neuropilin-2, dipeptidase, DPP-4, isn't, isn't, that's the MERS receptor binding site, right? D, DPP-4. I want to say, maybe I'm wrong. Correct me on that, please, uh, Commander Rixie. Uh, however, other coronavirus entry factories, and alanyl aminopeptidase, AMPEP, also known as CD13, and cathepsin B, CTSB, remained unchanged. We used gene set enrichment analysis to correlate the dysregulated proteins to biological processes modulated in response to SARS-CoV-2 infection. The majority of the proteins annotated as involved in the coronavirus disease pathway the KEG database were also upregulated in the skull marrow of COVID-19 patients in our data, which confirms the effect of SARS-CoV-2 infection in the skull marrow. We also detected upregulation of interleukin enhancing binding factor, which has been previously associated with viral replication. The most strongly dysregulated part of the immune system was the complement system, which was previously reported to be activated in COVID-19. Again, you would have to... Um, So you have to think why correct that's mess thank you thank you charles um yeah what was i going to say about compliment oh yeah um is, is this a consequence of that super antigenic um site Again, you over, overdrive the immune system and boom, uh, you get this, this regulated complement cascades. Don't ask me to describe all the complement cascades. It's uh, another one of those. Uh, it's outside my area. Find someone else to do it. Um, high severity infection of COVID-19 is often associated with hyperactivation followed by exhaustion of complement proteins such as C3 and C4. Indeed, we found significant downregulation of complement components C1, C4, C5, CA and factor H in the skull marrow of these non-survivor COVID-19 patients and decreased coagulation factor 11 expression. Beyond the complement system, we also identified upregulation of critical regulations of interferon alpha-beta signaling cascades, such as interferon-induced GTP binding protein MX1, interferon-stimulated gene 20 KDA protein, ISG20, as well as signal transducer, transducer and activator of transcription 1 alpha-beta STAT1, an essential regulator of interleukin-6 signaling in the skull marrow. Now, Again, we know that much of the accessory proteins 
from SARS, target um, interferon, and again, this is this is where we this stupid inane idea of non-replication competent um, virions are just noise in the system. I would argue they're they're evolutionarily geared towards trying to favor getting to the point where the virus can establish conditions where it can make effective <laughs> replication competent, I guess, being the technical term. Uh, let's see, Charles says, interesting. Microglia also int integral in the hypoxia cascade. Um, yeah, well, any... Like, you, if you shut down oxygen flow to the brain, um, you're going to kick in... Uh, the inflammatory cascades, right? Because you're, you're going to build up, you know, even if you think of just like the basics and like the Krebs cycle and you go into sort of anaerobic respiration and you only have a short window in which that sort of operates and then boom, you, um, and that, that would signal that, uh, well, to us, Think of the, like the single cell. Oh, I, I'm. I need to shut down. I need to um, go into apoptosis, and um, I'm not not needed anymore. And that would that would signal to microglia to upregulate. Such an inflammatory response is responsible for the cytokine storms described in COVID-19, further associated with increased accumulation and degranulation of neutrophils. Um, <laughs> but uh, I should say inflammothrombotic uh, response. Um, out, out to Richard. De facto, some of the proteins involved in neutrophil degranulation, such as high mobility group protein B1 and heat shot protein HSP90 alpha, were... also upregulated in the skull marrow of COVID-19. Furthermore, we found expression changes in proteins related to interleukin-18, P13K, AKT signaling pathways, which have been implicated in SARS-CoV-2 infections and associated with coagulopathies. For example, upregulation HSP90, whatever, whatever, well punch there, and downregulation of EGFR. In human meninges proteomics, we identified 4,927 proteins across all samples. The PCA plot clearly distinguishes the meninges samples from the COVID-19 and control groups. Here we identified 373 differently expressed proteins with 349 upregulated and 24 downregulated. A pathway analysis revealed that proteins involved in the neutrophil degranulation were significantly upregulated in the meninges of COVID-19 as compared to controls. Um, now, degranulation in my mind is like the cells breaking apart and um, why A pathway analysis for proteins involved in neutrophil degranulation was significantly upregulated in the meninges compared to controls. Why would that be? 
I have to think about that. Uh, so these include D PDAP1, DBNL, CD44, RAB6A, and HMGB1. These proteins could be linked to the formation of NETs in response to the virus, as in the COVID-19 skull marrow niches. We observed upregulation of HMGB1, an extracellular protein that has been shown to stimulate net formation. P13 AKT pathway proteins were also dysregulated in the meninges. HSP, whatever, was upregulated in the COVID-19 skull and meninges. We also observed the overexpression of calprotectin in the meninges, which plays an essential pro-inflammatory role in the migration of neutrophils. Specifically, S100A8 has recently been hypothesized to be involved in hyperinflammation in severe COVID-19. We also identified upregulation of platelet factor 4 and platelet basic protein in the meninges tissue. These data suggest that neutrophils, which constitute the major cell population in the skull marrow niches, might move into the meninges, induce net formation, and trigger pro-inflammatory responses. Indeed, neutrophil migration directly from vascular channels connecting the skull marrow to the meninges have been reported in inflammatory events. We dissected samples from the brain cortex of eight COVID-19 patients and 11 control cases for proteomic analysis and identified 7,138 proteins. Of these, 76 proteins were differentially expressed with 49 upregulated and 27 downregulated. The predominant dysregulated pathways were complement activation, net formation, coronavirus disease, and interferon alpha-beta signaling pathways. We identified, that is PICARD, and NLRC3 as upregulated proteins previously associated with assembling inflammasome. Among the other upregulated proteins, we also identified BST2, which restricts the viruses from infecting adjacent cells. In addition, we also investigated COVID-19 brain tissue alterations and analyzed microgliosis in the COVID-19 brain tissue compared to controls. We identified activated myeloid cells within large cell body morphologies. This data is in line with our proteomics data, suggesting a persistent inflammatory state in the brain of, I'm presuming that will say COVID-19 patients. Yes. Finally, we found microbleedings in all four COVID-19 brain tissues that we analyzed using Prussian blue staining, while in only one of the four brain tissues in the control group. A comparison of data sets from the skull marrow, meninges, and brain samples identified five common differentially expressed proteins related to antigen presentation and recognition, including, again, whatever these proteins are, IGHV, 1, 3, HLA, B, APCS, ISG15, MX1, whereas MX1 is known to have an antiviral function. Further pinpoint the consequences of spike proteins, specific effects in the brain tissue beyond the acute inflammatory response, we performed targeted proteomics on laser capture microdissected tissues by analyzing the spike positive versus spike negative brain regions. Down regulation of MBP, upregulation of GFAP. Uh, GFAP has been described as a biomarker to detect damage in the blood brain barrier, leading to brain injury during COVID 19 infection. 
GRIA1 is a glutamate receptor subunit associated with neurodevelopmental disorders and its deletion in mice causes attention deficit and sleep disorder, both reported symptoms of post-COVID syndrome. NDUFA3 is a subunit of the mitochondrial membrane respiratory chain associated with Alzheimer's disease. <laughs> Man. I want vengeance. Damn it. To our knowledge, their role in COVID-19 pathogenesis has not been investigated in detail yet. However, their decrease or loss of function significantly impairs mitochondrial function, source of oxidative stress also reported in SARS-CoV-2 infection and long-term symptoms such as chronic fatigue. <sighs> Spike protein triggers proteomic changes in the mouse, skull marrow, meninges, and brain. To investigate the potential impact of spike S1 protein binding in the skull marrow, meninges, and brain tissues without other viral proteins, we perform proteomics analysis of these three areas at three days post-intravenous injection of spike S1, HA protein, and saline controls in wild-type mice. We identified 9,167 proteins across the skull marrow samples from spike S1, uh, HA hemagglutinin, and control groups. PCA plot showed skull marrow samples after spike S1 injection separated distinctly from the control group. In contrast, the influenza group partially overlapped with the control compared to the Compared to the saline control, we identified 808 differently expressed proteins in the skull marrow after spike S1 injection, with 348 upregulated and 460 being downregulated. While in the skull marrow after HA injection, we only identified 16 differently, differentially expressed proteins compared to the control. We found a substantial differential expression in ribosomal proteins and proteins involved in net formation, neutrophil degranulation, P13 AK2. Hmm. Um, so, funnily enough, you look. out of you know the so we looked at the proteomics yesterday and basically they listed a whole range of neurological disorders that the proteomics was associated with um particular disease states right and um they haven't um done that here Funnily enough, just this just um I, I just find this funny. But these peptides of interest, one is associated with alcoholism. Now, I do know that they make alcoholic models, rodent models. So I'm I'm presuming that's where that particular um data point comes from but they also list viral carcinogenesis <coughs> systemic lupus uh, reactive oxygen species atherosclerosis carbon metabolism anyway then they're just weaker and weaker signal um 
now, now we have a list of more important signals. So pathways of neurodegeneration, very, very strong signal. Um, Huntington disease, diabetic cardiomyopathy, Parkinson's disease, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, oxidative formulation, and prion disease. Um, this, all this data is converging on this phenomenon. And we, we have to What do, what do we do? All you can do is just warn people. You can't, um, you're going to get exposed to it, and, and it's up to you to find ways that you are moving yourself towards um, what you feel to be a healthier state. You, you know yourself what you should and shouldn't be doing, okay? And you have to... Again, if you're a long, you've got these post-viral syndrome, you you have to experiment. You're you're the scientist and the test subject wrapped up in one, and you you need to find what therapy works for you. And again, you know, if we're we're talking about um, spike protein being able to penetrate into the brain even if the virus can't again um i would be i would i would my suspicion is that they should be looking at olfactory bulb right you may you may be finding that's the reservoir and the problem is because of the just the nature of autopsies, etc. It's it's hard to get olfactory bulbs out. And so unless you're specifically looking for it, it's not really in your sample preparation. Most most people will just cut through the olfactory nerves and leave and because it, it, it's basically encased, the bulb is encased in the um the bony structures of the Cribiform. So, you know, if it's if the if the data is right with respect to once in central nervous system, it doesn't really spit out many copies per se. It goes down in this low replicative state. But you know, um, maybe that's all it needs to do. If it's pumping out these toxic peptides. And these peptides will be packaged up in extracellular vesicles <laughs> and trafficked um, all through the system. And they're just going to land and get taken up and cause these, well, as we're seeing, these proteomic changes. And... <laughs> At what, what point do we just say, okay, this is, this is, um, I don't, again, you know, the, what you, you hand over more power to the state in this particular instance. I'm not, I'm not sure that's the best, best thing, but, you know, from the discussion from yesterday, what was I saying? In order to flush the brain 
you need to sleep. That's when the glymphatic system opens up and body will expel um, metabolic trash, I guess, one of a better expression. And your You you have to you have to find a way to get high quality sleep, and like I said yesterday, you know, I, I got, it's a long stream yesterday where I just relayed my own personal struggles in that domain, right? And I relayed what worked for me, and you know I'm yeah i'm 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 i know from myself if if i don't rest properly all the symptoms that i carry around from various insults that i've had across my life become much worse and sleep is the best option and i will medicate to sleep right it's just i in my mind that is just the landscape particularly after tbi that i have to deal with I don't, I'm not concerned about, uh, <laughs> again, these fucking moral Puritans that go at people and say, oh, wow, you should be doing that, and you're, you're helping Big Pharma, etc. All of the medications that you need, you can get as fucking generics nowadays. Get to sleep. Rest, right? This idea, this premise that we have particularly in how should we say capitalist orientated countries right where you're supposed to be on the go 18 hours a day and this is why you know why things like Britlin and what's the what's the other one they use no the longer lasting one Oh, I forget the name of that one. But anyway, you know, amphetamine like drugs, things, you know, people taking things like modafinil, that type of thing. Don't do it. Don't do it. You, you are building up a debt that you will have to pay. And if, if you've been unfortunate enough to get pulled into a post-viral state where you're just not feeling you're not feeling yourself well you know this paper is giving a good indicator as to why that would be happening you're finding spike protein in places that are hard to reach immunologically i would say and you know the disturbing fact is is that bone marrow regions are where the your stem cells rely uh, uh, reside that <laughs> responsible for tissue je regeneration. Um, is that, uh, isn't Adderall Ritalin? I can't remember. What is that? Concerta? I can't remember, but you know, I would, I would be very, very um, uh, um, 
got issues with waifu. <laughs> uh, uh, health issues, I should say. Um, that's, I shouldn't be discussing it, though. Um, let's see. Meth is utterly underwhelming. Yeah, I, I've never really... I mean, I've taken a bunch of it, but I just didn't do any... Did, well, wasn't a drug of interest to me. Right? What, what was interesting to me was psychedelic the psychedelic space if i just want to if i just want to feel jazzed to <laughs> work right <laughs> do the obsessively do the house cleaning or the whatever <laughs> pick pick uh items out in a factory <laughs> i mean i've done that and look yeah i've, I've used amphetamines in those situations but I've, it's not a, it's not a drug of <laughs> enjoyment for me uh, let's see. Concerta, methylphenidate, Adderall, Dextro, Amphetamines. Thank you, DJ. Um, uh, yeah, I was right. So it is called Concerta. Yeah. Um, so within two days of, you know, me streaming about the neuroscience, we've got you know, very, very strong data across all not only experimental platforms but from human data as well now and it, you know i think you know again time is your best well time heals all, all things right and you have to if you've if you're post viral or vaccine injured Rest, 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 sleep, sleep, sleep. If, it's, if you're not getting quality sleep, find a sympathetic um, clinician who can, who can help you in that domain. But that, that has to be your, your primary goal. And uh, you know, eventually it will flush out, I would argue. Presum presumably there, if there isn't some reservoir where where it's you know sort of immunoprivileged um region but and you know the problem is central nervous system is immunoprivileged and i don't know it, how, how much is it getting into olfactory bulb and you know that i i agree that the data is mixed some people are able to identify virus in the brain and in some and in others they don't and you know that that data with respect to humans is you know if someone has died because of covid19 well they're, they're in a bad way so you know you could probably expect um viral uh, penetration far far easier into the brain but in the in the chronic sense so i don't how many virions do you need to set up and reside in your olfactory bulb? Probably not that many. Remember this. Um, well, let me finish the paper and then I'll look at that. But I don't. I get to I think I've sort of done figure four, right? 
There's referrals to a lot of supplementary data here, which we don't have. I'll continue. Similarly, we identified 8,687 8, 8, proteins across the meninges samples from spike S1 HA and control groups. After spike S1 injection, the meninges samples distinctly separated from the control group in the PCA plot, whereas the hemagglutinin group partially overlapped with control. We identified 426 differentially expressed proteins in the meninges the spike S1 injection, with 241 being up. Didn't, didn't I read this? I want to say I read that, no? Yeah, I did read this. Um, maybe not this one, so, but it's referring to supplementary data. So after spike S1, HA and Salus intravenous injection, we identified 8,104 proteins in brain cortex. The brain cortex samples after spike S1 injection also sh showed a clear segregation from the hemagglutinin and control group in the PCA plot. 213 proteins were identified to be dysregulated in the brain cortex after spike S1 injection, with 190 being upregulated and 23 being downregulated. In addition to the altered level of ribosomal proteins associated with COVID-19 in the spike S1 group compared to the control group, we identified proteins dysregulated in pathways of neurodegeneration. GRIA1 and NDUFA3 were also dysregulated in the spike protein-positive COVID-19 patient brain regions, whereas in the brain cortex after HA... Injection. Only one protein, STT3A, a catalytic subunit of the oligosaccharyl transferase complex, was identified to be dysregulated. Supplementary data. On the other hand, we tested the plasma cytokine levels of the mice three days after injection of spike S1, hemagglutinin, and saline control. Spike S1 and hemagglutinin protein caused increased inflammation, as shown by interferon gamma and CXCL10 enzyme-linked immunoabsorbent assay. We also noticed a difference in spike S1 and hemagglutinin protein-induced cytokine levels and plasma interleukin-6 was increased three days after spike S1 injection, but not changed after hemagglutinin injection. And again, radical differences between SARS and influenza. And, you know, this... I get it, man. If you got, if you got through this, okay... And everything's hunky-dory, right? That's the survivor bias kicking in. But, you know, what this, what this data would indicate is that we can expect many, many more problems down the road. And, well, you know, we looked at ethical skeptics, latest uh, analysis of uh, neoplasms. <laughs> Here's a mechanism for you. And they probably made it infinitely more worse by gene transfecting against it. These data suggest that SARS-CoV-2 spike S1 protein alone is sufficient to trigger a broad proteomic change in the skull marrow, meninges, and brain compared to hemagglutin protein. Dysregulated proteins are enriched in pathways related to coronavirus disease. 
net formation and neutrophil degranulation consistent with changes observed in virus-infected human samples. Our data also suggests that spike S1 protein circulation in the blood would be an important trigger of COVID-19-related broader protein change in the skull marrow, meninges, and brain cortex. Spike protein from the skull marrow leads to brain cortex neuronal injury. <laughs> Wonderful. To understand whether the spike protein could be released from the skull marrow niches and induce acute and long-term pathological changes in the brain parenchyma, we injected the spike S1 directly into the skull marrow. We found the spike S1 protein reached the meninges and brain parenchyma 30 minutes after micro-injection to the skull. We also collected the mouse brain cortex tissue at three days and 20 days after skull marrow microinjections of spike S1 and hemagglutinin protein and saline control to check for cell death and neuronal damage with the expression of cleaved caspase 3 and the amyloid precursor protein APP. Respectively, cleaved caspase 3 was increased in the brain three days after skull injection of both spike S1 and hemagglutinin and remained elevated in the brain 28 days after S1 injection, but returned to baseline after hemagglutin injection. Wow. <laughs> lordy, lordy, lordy. The spike S1 induced a significantly increased amyloid precursor protein expression. There. There is one of the sort of foundational physiological disruptions that are leading to these prion-like diseases. That's it right there. Now, if I had this lab and I had, you know, all this uh, technology that they're using, the clarity approaches, the proteomics, etc. It's nothing I'd never trained in that. But you know what I would be doing? I would be checking gene transfection technologies as well, seeing what they do. I bet you it looks bloody close to what they find with spike protein. Now, the problem is being mice that the dynamics might be a little different right so they've had they've had to conjugate the spike protein to another peptide to make it a little bit more um active for the mouse but you know we're seeing across again models mouse monkey human similar similar data and what, what that indicates is how toxic, just the, in this case, the spike protein is. It's just, where, where was the decision made to express the whole thing, the whole spike protein? And, you know, I'm just thinking about Joanna's. Um, anecdote the other day where she said that there was a group, a German group that were just trying to do a receptor binding domain 
more classical type vaccine and they essentially got uh, shut down. It all looks very deliberate, very malicious, very deliberate. And they aimed it at you and your loved ones. Uh, so the spike S1 induced significantly increased APP rates, like amyloid protein in both in brain in both three days and 28 days after injection, while hemagglutinin did not lead to any changes. Again, a radical difference between the active component or the other the spiky bit of flu versus the spiky bit of uh sars cov 2 these data demonstrated that the spike s1 protein alone locally residing in the sky in the skull marrow could signal into the brain to induce long-lasting pathological effects including cell death neuronal injury that's sending you down the trajectory towards neurodegeneration. And in that process, you're incapacitated. You're not going to get off your sofa. You're not going to pick up your pitchfork and go and get these bastards who did this to you. Spike protein persists in human skull marrow. Observing spike-induced changes in mice long after injection into the skull led us to test if we could also identify spike protein in the human skull long after infection. In Germany, 46% of the population reported having COVID-19. Therefore, we hypothesized that if we sampled skull samples from several people who died from non-COVID reasons, we might detect the spike protein lingering in the skull marrow niches, which might be associated with ongoing neurological problems in COVID-19 patients. We investigated the presence of spike protein in the skulls of 34 patients who died from non-COVID related causes during the pandemic in 2021 and 2022. Interesting. Interesting, because that would have been after vaccines were rolled out. So now we don't know if this is well, we'll make the presumption from the animal models that the virus can do it, but we don't know if the human data is from the vaccine or the virus. We indeed identified spike protein in 10 of them. <laughs> a third. A third. And again, that sort of jives with the the data around those who develop this long polar incapacitated state. And even if you don't have that immediate state, right? if, if you, know, you, you might have retard strength, right? And just you, you can muscle through stuff and you don't notice it, but in, all the time there's this ongoing process surreptitious disease mechanisms that are hard to pick up with normal diagnostics 
You're not going to see it on an MRI. You ain't going to see it in a blood draw. This refers to approximately 29% of people who potentially had COVID-19 in the past without recognizing themselves or with no anamnestic data and still having spike protein for the rest of their lives. These findings suggest that the spike protein persisted in the human skull beyond the viral detection time and recovery might be involved in long-term COVID-19 symptoms. And fuck all these people that just say that it, it doesn't, doesn't exist as a condition. PCR negative, but spike protein is from. In this instance, it's you know it's debatable about where why why that spike protein could be there in humans. Again, it, it, it's going to be virtually impossible to disambiguate this data now. And the thing is, there won't be the motivation to do it. And I'll, I'll read the discussion, but I'll bet dollars to donuts they don't even mention the fact that um, it could be from vaccine exposure. DDL says, this kind of data makes you want to go full green monkey on virus deniers and their enablers. <laughs> Yep. They fired a weapon at you. A weapon that was designed for long-term incapacitation. Right? They probably didn't want the deaths. Well, no, they won't. They may have wanted some. And like I say, this whole issue of weaponizing the... Um, the medical systems such that you bumped up the iatrogenic deaths. So you forced people down the pathway to get gene transfected with this bloody spike protein, this peptide. That's been codon optimized. <laughs> what have they done, man? Jesus. DTAS says, Green Monkey, Bath Salts plus Fauci, I'd buy a ticket. <laughs> that would be one hell of a show. <laughs> Thing is, Fauci's not much bigger than a Green Monkey. The long-term complications of COVID-19, this is a discussion now, folks. So the long-term complications of COVID-19 remain a major concern. The multitude of symptoms reported suggest that the, these arise from effects of the infection that are only indirectly linked to the primary viral replication sites in the respiratory tract. For example, several neurological symptoms have been reported, most notably the long-lasting brain fog reported by many patients and significant brain tissue loss, even in mild COVID-19 cases, which urge exploration of the mechanisms of SARS-CoV-2-induced brain damage. And vaccine-induced brain damage. We know it's there. I 
and th this is again this is anyone who hyper focuses on one side of the equation and isn't looking at the whole thing isn't helping you okay you you i get you know of course f glean as much information as you can but be very very conscious of the ideological position of the individual and you know i get i, I get it the you know, vaccines is a is a emotive issue but it's not that it's not the only issue i get it remdesivir is an emotive issue it's not the only issue <laughs> the blowing out of people's lungs because they said it to treat regular um, pneumonia rather than what is essentially a coagulopathy condition within the microcirculation of the lungs. Again, all of it, all of it, all of it falls into the designation of a very, very sophisticated weapons system aimed at the planet, right? Here we used whole mouse tissue clearing technology to visualize stake, sorry, uh, to visualize the spike protein distribution by S1 protein with N5O1Y N5 mutation, which has been shown to infect wild type mice through binding with mouse ACE2. To identify all potential targets of the S1 protein and assess if S1 protein alone can induce brain pathologies in the absence of other viral proteins. In addition to the expected target organs such as the lung, kidney and liver, our results showed an accumulation of spike protein along with the viral nuclear capsid protein in the human skull marrow niches, uh, SMCs and meninges, suggesting that the virus might infect these tissues. However... The additional data will be needed to show active replication. In contrast, only the spike protein was detected in the brain parenchyma. The detected spike protein could either be a residue of a viral infection of the brain that has been cleared or has infiltrated the brain from the cerebral circulation. In either case, suggesting that the spike protein could have a long lifetime in the body. This notion is supported by the observation that spike protein can be detected on patient immune cells more than a year after the infection. And a recent preprint in Med Archive suggests that spike protein's persistence in plasma samples up to 12 months post-diagnosis. The long-lasting spike protein near the brain tissue may explain some aspects of COVID-19 symptoms. In our study, the persistence of spike protein in the skull marrow and brain tissue was identified also in post-mortem human samples. We also confirmed this phenomenon in K18-HS2 mice infected with two different SARS-CoV-2 strains. It's worth noting that intravenous injection of spike protein induced a broad spectrum of protein changes in the mouse skull, marrow, meninges, and brain, including the proteins related to coronavirus disease, complement and coagulation cascades, neutrophil degranulations, NETs, P13 AKT signaling, demonstrating the immunogenicity of SARS-CoV-2 spike protein in the absence of other viral proteins. 
Although many studies in humans, animals and cell line models address the molecular underpinning of SARS-CoV-2 infection, very few currently link the brain-associated pathologies evident in severe COVID-19 cases with the changes in the host proteome of the brain and adjacent tissues. In this study, the spatial proteomics dataset of COVID-19 infected brain samples provide leads to study spike-specific changes in the brain. Our study benefited from the simultaneous analysis of compartments adjacent to COVID-19 infected individuals, namely the skull, marrow, and the meninges. The 29 proteins that the SARS-CoV-2 viral genome encodes directly or indirectly regulate the expression of many host proteins. Our molecular analysis suggests that activation of immune response in the skull meninges brain axis potentially via recruiting and increasing the activity of neutrophils similar to what has been reported in the respiratory tract. Individual viral proteins have been suggested to exert physiological effects in the absence of other viral components, especially the spike protein, which has been reported to induce the expression of inflammatory cytokines and chemokines in macrophages. Um, so macrophages and lung epithelial cells are under compromised endothelial function. While investigating the changes in host cell expression, we find that specific host processes are most consistently dysregulated in individual tissues. In the skull marrow, predominant dysregulated pathways were the coronavirus disease pathway and the complement and coagulation cascades, as reported previously, peripheral organs of patients with severe COVID-19. The increased expression of pro-inflammatory proteins, including calprotectin and proteins associated with thromboses, such as PF4, PPBP, illustrate that the viral proteins act as an inflammatory stimulus that leads to the development of a significant immune response in the brain. However, we cannot distinguish between the direct effect of viral factors and the systemic effects of the disease. In the meninges, a significant consequence of the inflammatory state is an upregulation of proteins involved in neutrophil degranulation. Have a whole list of proteins that may be linked with a process known as netosis to contain the infection. The upregulation of net proteins presumably leads to high level of nets in the skull meninges, brain axis, and the infiltration of circulating neurophils in the meninges. Nets could further propagate the inflammation, potentially inducing tissue damage, including endothelium damage, leading to pathologies such as thrombosis and alterations in the coagulation process. Proteins related to neurodegeneration pathway and damage to the blood-brain barrier were the most prominent dysregulated molecules in the brain. The dysregulation of the complement and coagulation pathways was detected in both the skull, marrow and the brain. This might explain the observed propensity of COVID-19 patients to develop mini-infarcts mini in the brain parenchyma and our observation of an increased level of microbleedings in COVID-19 patients, potentially contributing to the observed brain damage in the COVID-19 patients in acute or chronic stages. All three tissues enriched proteins related to neutrophil degranulation and neutrophil extracellular trap formation. Net formation in the skull marrow and neutrophil degranulation in the meninges suggests neutrophils may play a key role in maintaining inflammatory responses in and around the central nervous system. Reportedly, the viral spike protein leads to the activation of RHOA, which triggers the disruption of blood-brain barrier. The RHOA GTPase identified in meninges is also reported to be re regulated by EI3K, an active in neutrophil degranulation pathway to regulate actin dynamics and cell migration. 
HSP OAA1 is another protein related to the P13K AKT signaling pathway previously associated with SARS-CoV-2 gene expression and disease severity. HSP90AA1 links P13 AKT signaling pathway to proteasome mediated protein degradation, pathway whose activation in COVID-19 infection is well established. Other members of the heat shock protein family are overexpressed in subsets of tissues. The transcription factor STAT1 is another common upregulated protein in the skull marrow and brain related to the interferon alpha beta signaling. Reportedly, SARS-CoV-2 blocks the translocation of STAT1 to the nucleus to dampen the transcription of interferon response-related genes. Again, this, this gets into this domain where, you know, the, the, the virus is going to try to seed the environment. And it wants peptides going out quickly. So, so when it gets to the point of making a replication competent particle, that particle has the highest chance of infecting another cell. Another protein related to the interferon response was MX1, and it was identified in the skull, marrow, and brain samples. The protein has been reported to have antiviral functions. Several proteins related to the IL-18 signaling were also identified in the skull marrow, including Col3A1, related to lung fibrosis in COVID-19 patients, and ARF6, which has been suggested to mediate viral entry by regulating endocytosis. Extracellular matrix proteins, Col4A1, Col4A2 were down-regulated in the skull marrow. Col4A1 protein has a role in regulating cerebrovascular homeostasis. Although a role in COVID-19 pathogenesis has not been reported yet, in contrast to our findings at the protein level, at the transcript level, Col4A2 was reportedly down-regulated in COVID-19 brain samples, but no role in COVID-19 pathogenesis has been established. Again, you know, we're... <laughs> There's so much we don't know. And... When you... It's at that point that wisdom begins. <laughs> when you realize that you don't know everything. We identified several candidate proteins with no previous association with COVID-19, especially those earlier associated with neurological diseases, such as RAS-related protein, RAB8B, RAS-related protein, RAB6, and EF handomain-containing protein, D2. Notably, their role has been associated with disorders such as Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, and dementia. That's where they want to put you folks. Because <laughs> if you're shuffling around and you can't think, you ain't picking up your torch, are you? Proteins and pathways identified to be differentially regulated in the brain, skull marrow, and meninges provide leads to investigate the molecular mechanisms of immediate and long-term consequences of SARS-CoV-2 infections for the human brain. The common dysregulation of coronavirus disease, complement activation, PI3KT, whatever, pathways in the skull, meninges, and brain tissue demonstrated a common effect of SARS-CoV-2 infections in the immune system along the skull meninges brain axis. These molecules or molecular pathways can be leveraged as therapeutic targets to prevent or treat 
brain-related complications in COVID-19. Our data may also suggest a mechanism for the virus's entry into the central nervous system. Both mouse and COVID-19 human tissues, we find spike protein in the skull, whatever, SMC marrow compartment, which the virus or virus components could use to travel from the skull marrow to the meninges and the brain parenchyma. Of course, the virus might take other routes to reach the brain in a not mutually exclusive way. Yep, there's a whole bunch of ways it's going to get in there. Course, uh, yeah. For example, the virus could traverse the cerebrovasculature to reach the brain parenchyma to be carried there by immune cells via neutrophils or phagocytic cells. More data will be needed to establish the most common route of brain invasion by SARS-CoV-2, which might differ between different parts of the brain. I guess it's going to say. Yes, and it will, it will differ between people. Right? What might be one avenue in one person could be completely different in another right so to this example um the smc the skull skull marrow compartment perhaps well, it seems quite definitive i would argue and another one it might be retrograde transport along um cranial nerves olfactory or from the Vagus nerve, phrenic nerve, and the long-term consequences, I would argue, were, could be with us for, well, generations. <sighs> brain invasion of virus shed spike protein found in some COVID-19 cases has been linked to a compromised blood-brain barrier and trafficking along olfactory nerve or vagus nerve, eh, as I just said. Here we suggest an alternative scenario where in SARS-CoV-2 spike protein reaches first the skull marrow and then the meninges before entering the brain. Spike-induced alterations in the skull meninges brain axis present diagnostic and therapeutic opportunities as both skull and meninges are easier to access than brain parenchyma. Panels of such proteins tested in plasma samples of COVID-19 patients might provide an early prognosis of brain-related complications. Our future efforts will be committed to characterizing these proteins towards their use as biomarkers and therapeutic targets for neurological dysfunction in COVID-19 infections. There you go. Um, um, round of applause for these authors. Um, a very, very powerful study. We've seen two great studies in the last two days. Primate study, we were doing the proteomics in the cerebral spinal fluid. And in this case, identifying a new uh, pathway and vector into the brain. And <laughs> disturbingly, just spike protein is enough. Enough to kick off these cascades. And if the spike protein is hanging around for a year, perhaps it can hang around 10 years. All right, uh, let me just check the donuts. Come on, feed the blicks. You'll go hungry otherwise. Oh, come on, come on, come on, cough up, folks. Come on. 
Otherwise, uh, all this uh, all this hard work will wither on the vine. All right. Um, I mean, let's, I'll review the methods afterwards, but I think we've got the sort of gist of the um, the paper. And yeah, it's it's not good. It's not good. Again, when you see data signals like this. And, you know, correlation is not causation, I get it, etc. But, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? And the same end states keep emerging, right? Long-term debilitating conditions. And look, because you're 20, 30 years old, right? You're not going to look parkinsonian right what you get is this the yeah just say brain fog i guess it's just the inability to think concentrate because the brain is inflamed and whilst it's inflamed you're kicking off these protein misfolding cascades All right, let's read some questions. Uh, no virus chap's going to have a headache. Yes. Uh, details or anywhere in the nose. Then imagine the blood-brain barrier gets weak. Yes. Well, the immune system is skewed by prednisone and the mRNA vaccine kicking your antibodies around. Yes. It's an interesting concept. I'm going to look for that. Okay. Um, what's this paper? And I will just keep reiterating the point. They knew. Uh, glucocorticoids upregulate CD40 ligand expression and induce CDL-dependent immunoglobulin isotype switching. Sounds fascinating. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, let's see, boy who had autism. She makes it sound like they found a cure. No, <laughs> the reason the reason they've got that brain tissue to be able to analyse it is that boy with autism died. That's uh, <laughs> there's no cure there, right? Uh, let's see. Uh, JC acts like none of this research exists. Yeah, because he's he's committed to minimise. It's just the flu, bro. Just the flu. And you can you can learn about the order of activation of immune regulatory systems, and that's all you need to know to find your way out of this particular swamp. And he keeps missing a trick. You wanna you wanna pay attention to anyone? Follow Walter Chestnut. He does really good uh, deep dives into this stuff. If you really really want to delve into all these peptide interactions, etc., he does a great job. I highly recommend following his work. I need to bring uh, 
Walter on. I haven't spoke to him for a while, but the um, you know, there are, there are many out there trying to tell you that there that there is an issue, and I get it. You know, there are some people who are going to be hyper focused on the vaccines, and, and yes, in a way, because that was mandated, right? It was forced onto people that. There's a degree of culpability there beyond, I, I guess, environmental exposure. And this, look, the environmental exposure, because of these bloody biowarfare countermeasures programs, you know, <laughs> there, is a, there are whole groups and networks that we can um, give a good kick into. <laughs> I have my way. But... This is, um, you have to, you have to be able to draw from multiple information sources. I, yeah, you know, give Jonathan his due that yeah, it's important to understand about immune responses. But what do we see here? What's it telling you? The immune response wasn't able to deal with it. That peptide of concern has penetrated as deep as you can get into tissues, into, into the bone marrow space where your stem cells reside. <laughs> deep into the brain, kicking off these, again, these disease mechanisms that do not fit the conventional understanding of disease, right? People, the layman is not going to understand, you know, in their mind, you get sick and then you get better, hopefully, and that's it. The, the, the cause for the disease has been dealt with and um, it's not a problem anymore. But we're seeing persistent. And what, what was that number again? It's approximately a third and you end finding that with a goddamn blood test. No way, no how. Unless, unless you start doing some advanced proteonomics. And, and, and again, I don't know the hit rate for that yet. Because it's just the studies have not been done. And, you know, there are... I don't know. Like, that, that I saw... I was, saw on Twitter the other day that they were flashing around a study from, I want to say it was like Denmark or Norway, where they were looking in teenagers, right? And they were saying they had a COVID cohort and a non-COVID cohort. The problem is, what does this, what does the data tell you from the monkeys, from all the, all the studies that you've seen? You do not have to have a severe disease state to develop the neurological conditions. Again, because this virus isn't a classical influenza or respiratory disease virus it's geared directly towards getting into central nervous system and now it seems bone marrow compartments and for them to be saying that it, it it's in the heads of these individuals or they, they were lonely because of lockdowns <laughs> yes that that adds to stress, of course, but there's still a 
fundamental physiological reason as to why it's occurring. And until you go and get a skull biopsy off that control group and find and search for spike protein in these things, that's a, that study is fucking useless. And it, it, it denigrates the people who have been on the receiving end of this well, again, weapon. And well, we're, we're, just, we're just supposed to keep focusing on the vaccine injured or the remdesivir injured. Fuck everyone else. Right? Is, is that what we're supposed to do? Your immune system's fine, right? You've got a healthy immune system, nothing to worry about. Well, you know, the data's not showing that, is it? And you've got literal, literal fucking cretins going round with the ear of people like Cooey talking absolute fucking bollocks. And like I say, he's unable to debate his points, won't, cannot stand up to argument, wants to carve out a little niche for him and is being incredibly corrosive while doing it. So there you have, again, I would just put him in the same class as the weaponeers now or the people that would deny viruses exist, etc. or or deny that (laughs) disease exists from these mechanisms which we've managed to tease out. At the same time, shitting on people, good people like Charles. Unbelievable. Unbelievable to me. And there, there are people we can go after. <sighs> Imagine you're having a bioweapon startup and then look for mouse models like that. Mm. Let's pick the multi-organ binding capacity. Yep. This is why you have to keep your bats stored separately from your pangolins. It's like the Chinaman never took food hygiene. <laughs> it's great, right, that the uh, the gal paper has just come out and basically has just blown apart the Zunati edifice, I guess. <laughs> now the question is, whose weapon was it? Whose weapon was it? You know what? I want to look at the two countries that do have the capacity to do it and do not abide by the biological and chemical warfare conventions. And we know who they are, right? Um, let's see. Who'd have funk it? Wasn't this all predicted by our favourite potty-fouled misogynist? Yes, it was. <laughs> it was. And like I say, it doesn't give me any joy. It's incredibly frustrating for me. Right? As they, as they shut, shut me down three years ago as I tried to speak about this particular issue. It's this issue. And, you know, the ultimate incapacitation agent is one that targets and gets into the central nervous system. And, fr- and from that, we just don't know enough about these systems to understand the, the intricacies of, of the disease pathology and how it manifests. 
we've had to wait three years to find out that the skull marrow compartment is a reservoir and vector into the brain. Jesus. Unbelievable to me. Another article I'm being linked to. Better be more interesting than the cortisone one here. <laughs> this one. Role of steep deprivation, immune-related disease, risk and outcomes. Yeah, let's say. Not giving clinical medical advice. Right? Just lifestyle advice. Get sleep. Get sleep. If you've been injured such that your sleep quality is poor, get help. Maybe, maybe something as simple as melatonin will help you. But you know, my my experience is that you know if you if you've got a significant brain injury, the the, the supplement pathway, as important as it is. Um, going to need that extra bit of help, I would argue. Uh, the other phenyl ethyl amines are much more entertaining. I agree. Um, remember this. This. Nine one one. All right. Uh, maybe all of us who lost our smell with the virus are extra fucked. Um, look again. You have to think of it as a. Um, so you you're starting off at this point, and as you head out across time, you have to think of it as a widening probability range as to where you're going to end up okay and like i say i'm all for supplementation find what works for you and you know really simple things fish oils right can be incredibly important again melatonin and I'm, I'm like i say i'm yet to be convinced about um natokinase in this particular circumstance maybe I'm not saying it's not a useful compound, but the, you know, the one is just getting um, the enzyme past the gut, right? Digestive process um, is is one failing that I could see, but the. Um, Anything, try anything and everything to bring yourself back into equilibrium. They want you out of equilibrium. They want you to be in a state of land helplessness. They want you to be stuck to your couch in your little kill box pod. This is abundantly clear now.
Uh, Mycoplasma likes bone marrow. Interesting. All right. Uh, so how do the bad guys avoid becoming infected with their own weapon? Um, I think it's the peptide fusion inhibitors. More than likely. That, that's what I think. What about the brain damage from several years of mil-spec propaganda on MSM and the infestation of the woke mind virus all across the Anglosphere? Yeah, there's that as well. It's a... It's a... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wide-scale, asymmetric war that's being waged against you. And like I say, but, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the end point that they're trying to reach is that they want societies and cultures to be a bit more Asian-like. Because you don't really see it here in Japan. But they're, they're aiming to break the Anglosphere. Why? Because the premise of individuality and sovereign rights is so embedded there that it makes, it makes you difficult to control. Have you got a link for this paper? Yes. <laughs> Perhaps not. Uh, I'll put the DOI number. <laughs> Charles says it gets even better. <laughs> <laughs> Does it? <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> it's that. Only dear Anthony Fauci, this is how you commit perjury. <laughs> okay, do you know Ralph Barrack? Not really. I know who he is. I doubt if I've ever met him. I may have met him at one of the meetings where there are thousands of scientists saying hi to each other. But I know who he is. He's a scientist at the University of North Carolina. He's funded by NIAID. He is. But you don't remember ever meeting him in person. Again, I don't recall. I could have met. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, so Matt Freeman, whoever that is. I talked to Ralph for a long time last night. He sounds beat. His ace two mice are breeding up, but not ready for anyone to have. He said he sat in Fouch's office talking about the outbreak and chimeras. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> we can have a die him. <laughs> Bravo, sir. Let's see. Uh, another Walter stream would be great. Yeah, I've, I've just, I've got, I'm just backed up so much because I had a sort of few weeks, sort of, 
a disruption, but just people came to Japan, and so I was out the loop, and so I'm trying, trying to crawl back on top workload. Uh, let's see. The doggy says, "Look where we tell you to look." Yeah, yeah, that's um, very obvious. Uh, an ever-growing part of me thinks that Big Chief PowerPoint purposely focuses away from the center of the target. Um, yeah, you have to you have to think about that. Um, and it's it's been very very consistent from day one. Uh, they're tracking your neurodegeneration in real time. Yes, they are. Uh, says JC is doing a disservice to those who have died, COVID injured, and vax injured. Well, I mean he's speaking up, I guess, for vax injured. But yeah, there's a there's a disservice to those that got maimed and killed in the, especially. What are the deaths now? <laughs> but the problem is, is that we, if we're in a situation where this bone marrow vector is, you know, in a third of people, I don't know how that plays out. Well, I can make predictions. It's how it's how it looks with all this excess death. And it, in in my mind, it can come from any any of the <laughs> veritable. Op options on the table that are open to you. Uh, let's see. JC should watch Cancer Grow at an alarming rate. Maybe he changes tune. Um, yeah. Skull, bones, mark. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Iris Man says, I haven't gotten COVID yet. Most world leaders on keto diet too. Ketones, low carb, one of the best defenses against COVID. Maybe. Maybe. And, you know, for sure, I, I can see the utility of fasting, right? The, the body will catabolize, in, you know, non-optimal functioning cells but again there's just this issue around you know, complex compartments and if it's getting into bone marrow and getting into the brain that's that's a that's a tough one and it's like joanna said at the beginning of the stream you know even just what would be considered relatively low down on the severity scale in the scheme of neurological injury and clinical presentation neuropathy it's very very difficult to treat uh let's see done in canada come on man they want smiley education system like staff i don't know what that means <laughs> <laughs> uh, fusion inhibitors are short acting but deliverable via aerosol and they target highly conserved regions uh, <laughs> northwest free zone says day four of water fast here uh, good for you um, alright uh, let me just check if anyone come on feed the plantation folks 
<laughs> Mackie D's. Look, they've even closed down Mackie D offices. <laughs> Tax evading Blix Ivan Phoenix ain't getting. <laughs> he needs more. All right. Um, I'm out of here. Uh, I promised I will do a stream with Nick this weekend and uh, Chris as well. Um, so I don't know how I'm going to fit that in. I guess we'll just uh, roll with it as uh, time emerges. And then there's still more neuroscience to get through that I haven't covered. And you know, it's taken me a week to work through one, two, three, four, I guess five papers. So, um, all right. I will bid you adieu. God bless. And um, yeah, mitigate, mitigate, mitigate. And uh, beware those who would lead you down um, blind alleys. All right. Take care. See you in the next one. You don't know how angry I am. You do. I'm like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that all line, I would be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these gaffers. I will fucking kill each fucking gaffer. I swear. This is not fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually saying. Fuck these gaffers. No fucking vaccine or MRI or emergency in my fucking blood blood. Oh, I like this guy. Let's check what we found out. 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 Let's check what we found out.